Right. Bring in the perverts. Welcome to the Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia. Not the three mothers <laughs> hell this time. <laughs> I was almost hoping, though. <laughs> I did have, like, the littlest hope of, like, when you forget somehow and also merge it all. I know. I made the mistake because <laughs> we had recorded uh, Deep Red uh, way before way before Suspiria, yes. and I made the same joke <laughs> for my, my name, and then I didn't realize until I was editing the Suspiria episode, and I was like, fuck. Yeah. Hey, what you Oh, wait, want? no, but then I did it in Inferno. You did it in Inferno. That's what it was. But you did it for Suspiria. I did it for... Okay, see, now I'm even more confused. Yes. Whatever. Look, what? We don't repeat things? Welcome to fucking the Canon Canon. That's what we do, boys. It's, well, we are repeaters. So this is the Canon Canon. This is a podcast where we talk about Canon films and all of their amazing output, but... This is also the podcast where we do hard pivots. Hard baby. pivot. Welcome to Hard Pivot. You asked for the facts, you got them. Hard pivot. <laughs> Starring Michael Dudikoff, <laughs> Jean Claude Van Damme, um, Jeff Speakman, <laughs> and Jim Belushi. <laughs> Playing Joe Piscopo. <laughs> <laughs> but this is part of our hard pivot series because it is Argentober. Argentober. Ooh, Argentober. That is, of course, the month of October where we're doing nothing but Dario Argento films. Mm-hmm. And today, today is a winner. They're all winners. I mean, this month is going to be just levels of winning and not as much winning. But uh winning. Remember that? <laughs> Classic. Remember that? Hey. Yeah. Oh, Tiger Bomb. What? What was it? Tiger, Tiger Blood. <laughs> Tiger Bomb. That was a lesser Something version. Else, yeah. Yes. That was Emilio talked about that. I think that's from Sephora. Yeah. Yes. So today we are talking <laughs> Emilio. <laughs> I was like Emilio. Oh man, men at work. Now could we could have been a kid of that? I do not know. No. Wait, was it men at work? Yeah. Yes. That's right because the adam mckay when um do you remember that SN- i'm just turning into your other of podcast course. <laughs> when emilio estevis hosted snl and adam mckay used to be the audience plant yes and uh he goes what were you in because that was one of my favorites when he'd just be like who are you i don't know who you He's are good at being aggro yeah the audience and then he goes uh men at work and he goes you tell me <laughs> <laughs> Good response. Apparently, Adam McKay is very funny. He's very funny. Uh, he's a very uh, funny man. Very political, too. You know, he's got an edge to him. You know, uh, he really he's understands. very political. <laughs> anyway. So, today, though, we are doing... Uh, this was in, uh, in our poll on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Oh, do, do we ever mention? We have a Patreon. We never mention it. Maybe no. we should this time. Yeah, you know what? This time, let's get into it. Patreon.com slash the Canon Canon. Mm-hmm. Please, people. That Argentober started... On the on the Patreon before it even started here, yeah. we released an episode about Deep Red. We've also released some soundtrack epi- uh, videos there related to Goblin. But uh, we had an audience poll too uh, for our Patreon members to pick which uh, Argento movies we should do. Bird with the Crystal Plumage, today's movie, high up on that poll. <laughs> oh my God! Is there a bird with crystal plumage in here? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! There's a murder near here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> how convenient! <laughs> yeah, and don't forget, we added a Discord now. Oh yes, on our Patreon, we added Discord where all of you Patreon members who sign up uh, can join in on the chat. Mm-hmm. We kind of get it. 
Yeah, we're we're figuring it out. We're we figuring have, out. We're having to look at the how did this get made <laughs> Discord just to kind of good reference point figure out. But they they're like advanced, advanced. We're like yes. simple, like just uh, topics. Uh, we have suggestions that you can make. Uh, basically, if you want to start a conversation about your favorite canon films or moments or anything like that, you can make those threads and mm-hmm. you can talk with other canon uh, fans. Yeah. Uh, talk to other canon fans. Talk to other uses. We yeah. are there. Uh, uh, we have been, uh, we've got some already some dedicated people on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very fun, honestly. I don't get it completely, it's but I do. basically like a message board. It kind of just looks like an old school message yeah. board. Yeah. Uh, look, we are not techs, all right? Uh, we're not in uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, we're not going to space in our <laughs> rockets and stuff. Uh, we're just uh, simple podcasters. Like, simple podcast folk. We were talking about Argentober. <laughs> but uh, on the main feed, of course, yes, we are doing The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. 1970, yes. Argento, his debut this is it's crazy hell of a debut i mean a hell of a debut uh uh it is uh, if if you haven't seen it it's fantastic go watch it right now it truly it's is hard to watch yeah <laughs> hard to find but yeah. yeah right now well i go to honestly people to be I'm telling you. To be, uh, I watched it on Midnight Pulp. Midnight Pulp is another option. Which was as well. great because you know why? The ads are very short. Oh, that's And there's good. only one. Tubi will throw five at you. Exactly. And it is surprising. And sometimes. it's very jarring. But I, I, uh, had to stop the movie halfway through because mm-hmm. uh, I have a life and family yeah. and stuff. But uh, when I returned back to it, maybe I don't want them to know this, or, mm-hmm. but uh, guess what? When I returned back to it, I had to fast forward to the part that I was, and guess what? There weren't any ads that Hello. popped up after that, so I got to finish it without any ads. Little tricks of the trade there on Tubi. Yeah. I will say, Tubi, it's that. No, that's on Midnight Pulp. Oh, on Midnight Pulp, yes. Yeah. There are. Uh, you got to deal with ads, but there is a surprising amount on Tubi. Yeah. Like last night, uh, uh, former. Guest of the pod, Michael Burdan from the band Uniform. We did Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. He is, of course, a big horror and exploitation fan. And Mm -hmm. so he, especially over the uh, Halloween period, he'll watch a movie every single day and talk about it. And he recommended his first one. So far, he's done two. Possession, one of the best. Mm -hmm. Possession is just such an amazing movie. But last night, he reminded me of one that is kind of like an Italian version of the opposite of this movie. Uh, Shocking Dark, a.k.a. Yeah. Terminator 2, <laughs> which I had always seen for a long time. So when I'm saying Terminator 2, this is not Terminator 2. No. Uh, no, this is that Italy was just like, you know what we could do? Just start marketing a movie as Terminator 2, even though it's not Terminator related at all. And it's more of a alien ripoff? You it say? is. A, so... Look, I traffic in a lot of Italian films. They are going to be playing loose and light with the copyright, and mm-hmm. they will just be like, yeah, we can take this piece, this piece, this piece. Frank, I want to maybe recommend to you to watch and to everyone to watch, because I've never seen an Italian movie that it was just like, let's literally do aliens. <laughs> I mean, like... but Alien or aliens? Aliens. Oh, wow. I mean, two... The T at certain points, like where you could, because I know aliens so well, and I'm sure you do, you yeah. could just start reciting what will happen in Shocking Dark. <laughs> where you're, and, and watching also the craziness of, look, uh, we've got cheap and low budget. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. 
Uh, there's also a realm that is not a realm of film that honestly you or I go into as much, but inept <laughs> is its own <laughs> realm of filmmaking. Right. And th- at least this version of, uh, I think it's Bruno Matai, who also did Hell of the Living Dead. Uh, this movie was pretty inept at times. Mm. Like, it was just like, the lighting was wild. Almost the whole thing is shot in what looks like the back hallway of UCB Chelsea. Oh, wow. Um, but throughout, you would constantly just be like, oh, you're doing that scene. Oh, Newt's going to show up. Oh, there's Newt. <laughs> like, you're just calling her a different name. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you'd they have like, a cat named Bonesy. Yes. Like, I mean, it really was. And like, and then also be times where you're like, when they first introduce you to the Marines, they have merged the captain and Vasquez together as one character. So the woman is wearing a headband like Vasquez, mm-hmm. and they're trying to be quippy, but they only did in like one take, clearly. So, like, everyone's forgetting to deliver their lines. <laughs> so, like, it's like if you imagine quick that dialogue where yeah. everyone and like, but no one's remembering that they're supposed to chime in. Game is done, man. <laughs> and then it gets racist in a crazy way, just like where there, for some reason, there's like the Italian guy, they keep calling him, this is their words, not mine, but I'm pretty sure WAP head. Oh boy. But first, WAP head is repeated multiple times. Uh. But then, like, even the part where they're, like, showing off the giant Gatlin gun that they use, yeah. they're like, what is that piece of machinery? It's just a normal shotgun. <laughs> uh, it's wild. Uh, and and But then it literally is, like, nine, uh, 60 minutes of aliens, and then out of nowhere, they're just like, surprise, it's also Terminator. They merge, they merge Paul Reiser's character along with Bishop. They do the scene where they're like, oh, realizing Bishop is kind of weird. He's looking in the microscope and he looks up and he's like, fascinating. But then all of a sudden you're like, wait, this guy's a robot. Oh, boy. And he starts acting like Arnold out of nowhere. Oh, boy. It's really wild. It was, but it's worth a watch. And, and it that's also, on Tubi? Yeah, it's on Tubi, baby. That's what I'm going like, here. Like, pop you an can, edible or two and yes, check it out. You got to watch. I mean, it is, again, this isn't even like street law or fucking <laughs> uh, the cop in blue jeans that I talk about all the time where you're like, oh, you're kind of doing Death Wish. Like, no, this is just, they couldn't screen it in America because the copyright laws, wow. because it's so close at times. Yeah. It's amazing. On the opposite end of Italian cinema, in this long segue to get to a diversion <laughs> as I want to do, is The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh, a unbelievably well-made debut. Yeah, I was shocked uh, when I was looking up the information for this after I'd watched I try not to look up too much information, yeah. like research, before um, I, I watch the films because I don't want anything spoiled, especially the, in this case, I had never seen it before. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah so it's a complete blind spot for me. And then when I read afterwards, it was his debut. I was like, whoa. Because yeah. I, I really, when I was done, I was like, this, this is a great film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, I, I'm so glad that I got to watch it because it's up there now with like Suspiria and Deep Red for me. And I was just like, oh, wow. what That's one hell of a debut. Yeah. Because that, that feels like somebody who already knows their, I mean, obviously it's like, I knew it came before Suspiria. Yep. You could tell, like, but because of budget and you know, like certain restrictions and like the colors aren't aren't as vibrant. 
It's a surprisingly, we texted about it briefly, it's a surprisingly reserved Argento film. Yeah, it is more, cl- it, it, you get why now, or I get why now, mm-hmm. uh, they say is like the Hitchcock, you know, Italian yeah. Hitch- Hitchcock, because this is right up that that makes more sense watching this movie mm-hmm. where you're like visually the aesthetic, the pacing, uh, the twist, you know, like everything about it, I think is like, it works for me. I mean, granted there are moments of comedy or you think are attempts at comedy. You're like, huh? But that's with most of Argento's films where it's just like, did that's he like, think yeah, this was funny part and parcel. And then again, like being like, is this tr- trying to be progressive or is it making fun of you know so it's like it has all the moves i think that's the other part though too is like it's not even like you see we've already kind of discussed that like argento beyond his use of colors beyond his uh uh ncs's his needlessly complicated shots yeah uh, he does have his uh, his trademarks. Yeah. Like uh, f- uh, a stranger in a strange land mm-hmm. who is some sort of artist who understands crime better than cops. <laughs> um, uh, confusing, is it progressive, is it not, take on sexuality. You know, there's a term of like punching down, right, in comedy or, you know, most uh, literature about don't punch down. Uh, for me, it feels like Argento kicks up. Yeah, <laughs> just like you're like, what? Where? What's he doing? The amazing part is like, so this is what I also like. The interesting part of it, this is the first time I've watched it with the lens of obviously knowing Argento, but really thinking about it as his debut. Yeah, and really thinking about the steps that also kind of got to him making this, and it and and it is interesting because it's like it. He does come out of the gate, but also, again, we're saying come out of the gate where he, his dad is a fucking producer. Right. He was a a film critic of note for a long time. Mm -hmm. Him and Bertolucci uh, were teammates on working with Sergio Leone on Once Upon a Time in the West and multiple other scripts for Spaghetti Westerns. Like, obviously, like, he had the talent and understanding of film, but also, uh, that all helps with like. There's a, I talk about it already Dario Gento's fear. It's a good. It's a great read because it's his autobiography. But it does get into, um, I, I guess like both like you start to see it beyond just the the uh, giant uh, amount of his films and be like, okay, this is the step, and this is where he was young, and this is where he had to convince people that he could do this, and this is also where he had to work against kind of the standards to some extent of what happens in Italian film. Like even the fact that like in here he's talking about, and granted it's always through Argento. Uh, I, I do have to say, this is a, a, a very clear line that sums him up. Uh, I have never undergone psychoanalysis. Every time I feel the need to face myself, every time I sense a conflict or trap, I dedicate myself to a new film and everything resolves itself. Now, the key to that sentence is everything resolves itself. Not exactly. Yeah, Dario. (laughs) Dario is a mental mess. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he went... His delusion is allowed him to kind of make the moves where like he made the script and they didn't want him directing it. Yeah. They wanted other people directing it. And then he was just like, no, 
I'm going to do it. He found a way to convince them. He had it written in his contract. He had like, he had found ways to get mm. these kind of clauses in. But even when he finally started directing, he would get into fights because like he wanted to storyboard everything. And they were like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, we're just shitting out movies. Yeah. But it's that preciseness that then leads to, like, he had a weird, like, listening to him talk, you're like, oh, I get you, Dario. For the first time, like, I understand your youngness. I understand your brashness. But also, you're, he was worried. He was scared that they were going to fire him. Uh, uh, and, and, and everyone there was, like, had that bit of, like, you're young, we're old, we've done this before. And he's like, no, I mean, I swear, if I just plan out the shots, yeah, it's going to work it's out. It's going to be great, yeah. And when he's a person who's known for his planned out shots, it's like, oh, that's amazing. That was like, he had to have this... This movie is a is a a symbol of Dario's delusion, <laughs> which is what is part of his greatness. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and it's also interesting because this is, and we'll get into it even more. I like, we talked about before, just like Dario doesn't get along with actors. He just doesn't like actors. He doesn't care about them. Well, this was the one where an actor was, it was the opposite. Tony right? Musante. Yeah. And that's the thing is like where I'm like, oh, right. This is a guy that, as I just quoted, has never done psychoanalysis, can't, thinks he's solving things with his movies. But also when he describes how he wrote this movie, he's like, I was having a vision of this movie after I saw a book on Bertolucci's desk. And then I was on vacation with my wife at the time. And I told her, we have to leave. We have to, they had a week left on this vacation. He's like, no, I must go back to Rome and sit in a room because he says, when I write, I need to not eat, not talk to anyone, no phone. And at one point he writes, Almost to the point where I didn't get up to go to the bathroom, which Dario shit himself is what I'm saying here. He pissed himself at least at some point writing this movie. He's like, what, 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 what? Clean it up. <laughs> exactly. You get it a mop. We get it a pee. Yeah, what's the what? It's, it's natural. <laughs> but it's that delusion. I'm like, he has no, un- like, you're listening to him in his not understanding, not understand that that doesn't have to be the way. <laughs> And right. that, like, it's it, the SNL model where you're like, do you really have to do the schedule still? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> and like, he's, but he's just like, and and it's just like, that's just how I have to work. And he never completely recognized of like, that's also why your marriage dissolved, and then your second marriage, and you weren't really seeing your kids, and you love your daughters, <sighs> but this and this. That that always reminds me of like the lie I used to tell myself in college, and even like uh, pretty recently, <laughs> like a year ago, <laughs> like literally, like two years ago, uh, being like, I just work better under pressure. Like I work better last minute, last yeah. minute. Like, you know, I always pull through and it's like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. It's like, there are other ways when I was like, Oh wait, I can, you mean even like in bite sized pieces, like even if it's just 30 minutes of writing, anything it's a lie it's a <laughs> lie we all tell ourselves and even the drive of this plot is a lie writer's block is not a thing yeah like if you can't write you're right yeah you're like, right it's not that you just don't have an idea you just write something else and then it's it's and basically then maybe it'll lead to your... nothing maybe it'll be garbage yeah. but it is writing it's just not it's because you atrophy yeah yeah but I just think like it's it's interesting to look back and then also look at the history and then also just see where it's like, look, we all have our psychological things where it's like, okay, my family did this and then I never got over it. Or I went to Vietnam, never got over it. 
in this, I was like, oh, for some reason, Tony Musante driving him nuts because he wanted to know his motivation. <laughs> Which, again, I'll also give is probably like Argento did not have much motivation. He no. was just like, it's in his mind, and he thinks he's in this fugue state. Because I think he's sick in this, too. He gets sick. He makes himself sick. He's always making himself sick. He doesn't realize he is a sickly man. <laughs> but it is like, I also just want to say before we continue on, like, I there's a great, there's a lot of great quotes in here. And he's pretty dense on this section uh, with, because uh, it's his first movie. So he's really right. getting into Galaxy. it. I This helped for where I was like, oh, you do understand writing but this is just like a writing tip from him can you just read this uh whole chapter and just like do a books on tape we could do that right yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. think we could do okay. that i'll do a patreon for that <laughs> go to our patreon for my books on tape for this book <laughs> when he's talking about writing uh he's like you have to be so self-assured and forget everything others have written about films that you've grown up on the history of cinema starts and ends with what you're doing right now and I was like, that's pretty great to think in those terms, because basically right before that in the book, he acknowledges where he's like, this isn't the first time this has happened. This things I'm coming up with, they're not magical. Like, yeah. yes, of course, I took this from Hitchcock. I took this from Bava. I took this from Giallos. I did this. I, there were other Giallos before me. Yeah. But he's just like, that doesn't matter. And that is true. You can, as a writer, get so stuck of just like, I have to create a new reality and yeah. the new reality will come from what your version of these things are, because that is the thing. Like, it's like, it's also interesting because he kind of talks about the Hitchcock thing in here. And it was more of like, this happened in Panthers, like my band, where it's like in our original one sheet, we introduced the fact of like, mm, yeah, sure. They sound like Stooges and MC5. And I never really was going for that. But I remember yeah. a guy being like, ah, eh, no one reads those. And then that kind of became the narrative. Right. And this, it was like he had some vision about some cave and maybe Torino or somewhere else. And he's like, that involves in the story. And his dad was like, stop talking about the cave. You're freaking everyone out. <laughs> Just tell people that like Hitchcock gave you this idea. <laughs> right. And then they ran with it. And it was like he became the new Hitchcock. And it was like this weird half lie yeah. to not be like, you're a weirdo. Nobody wants to shoot in Italy. Like it wants to be in America, blah, blah, blah. It's just so interesting. There's so many beginnings of him that are, are that are for someone who is so someone I love so much and is so unknown. It's the first time I'm like, oh, I get you. I get what yeah. you're going for in this. Uh, and makes this beautiful movie in the end. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I, that's all we have uh, to say for yep, now. And yeah, so just, enjoy it. <laughs> so do we have any uh, stats? Uh, yeah, any? we got a few stats. Uh, nothing like too concrete because of the time and stuff. Like uh, budget was kind of whatever you know i couldn't really get a good grasp on that who knows uh and especially like what it did in the box office but i can't say like uh it came out june 12th uh in 1970 in the u.s and uh, february 27th and 28th in uh milan and rome italy uh top movies of 1970 are mash uh Patton, airport beneath the planet of the apes on a clear day you can see forever joe Joe, oh, Cannon, uh, Love Story, Getting Straight, Kelly's Heroes, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, and Little Big Man. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's basically. Otherwise, we just got like you know your typical facts, like you know um, about how like uh, the executive producer wanted Dario off of the production mm -hmm. <laughs> when they were disappointed with dailies, um, and then when he went in to talk to the 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 guys 
secretary was like shaken because she had just seen it. I am it. disturbed by the movie. Oh, it's like back back in the day when people were afraid of the train coming at them in the <laughs> movie. Yeah, but so he had her tell the producer, and he's like, "Okay, we release it." There's your focus group. Okay, we release it. <laughs> okay, Forget about it. By the way, just on an aside, have you been watching the new season of Great British Bake Off? Yes, we talked about this. Oh, we did, uh, the Argento guy. Yeah, we talked about, like, yeah, the guy who reminds us of Alex Gordelis, but is uh, yes. Italian, yeah. I've also, though, realized the German guy might as well be Herzog sometimes lately oh, yeah. in the last episode. So now I'm like, am I just watching a Bake Off with my favorite <laughs> filmmakers? <laughs> Yeah, I I I only saw the first episode with that god awful opening. What was going? Whatever, whatever. Just Uh, I will say in the burn my tart. (laughs) In the in this book, he says that uh, at least the initial idea uh, it was a budget of two hundred forty million lire. Which exchange rate is like one dollar? Yeah, would be one hundred sixty thousand pounds. Oh. Uh, Which is what in America? If inflation adjusted the budget today, that would have been about two million pounds. So then double that, maybe. So maybe about four million. Oh, that's Could a pretty healthy enough. budget. Not terrible. Yeah, that's it a was pretty... a six-week shoot in 1970. Yeah, wow. and a minor star in the lead role. Even said so should be respected, but that I had to be the director. That was his big thing. Oh yeah, and he had Trof- Trofonio was the name of the cave story. Mm. The, his dad was just like, oh, "Get out of here!" Like Wait, we gotta stop talking about the that. cave story. Meaning like the shadows on the cave, and then like going out. And it's seeing, a different that's cave a diff- story. Yeah, you would so think many. it's that so, that yeah, yeah that cave story, and I thought so too. No, it's something about some actor who dies in the cave. Um, there's a bunch of different sources for this movie. It was uh, based, like, yeah, in there's... his mind, it was based off of The Screaming Mimi, yeah. which was a book, but then it's kind of liberal. Uh, he also got obsessed with a aquarium in uh, someone's, uh, a producer's uh, apartment. <laughs> okay. And then had a dream that I think the way he describes it, again, this is where, like, him writing about himself and that he has never done psychotherapy, you do realize he's Nuts. He's basically going through it in the book. Yeah. He's going insane. Like it's like he had some dream that, and he had to, he woke up and his wife was like, "What is wrong with you?" And he's like, "And I was chasing the dream. I was grabbing at it with my hands." But he had a dream that he was in a glass box and seeing a murder of someone in a white suit, and he was stuck because she couldn't hear him. And oh, so that's the opening. That image wow. stuck with him. And that was when, I believe, if I'm getting the story right, that's when he said, we have to ruin our vacation and go home so I can shit on a chair and write this in five days. (laughs) Just (laughs) mashing it on his buns. Just rubbing it in. Just seeing, like, what, I ate every single day. Um, He just cuts a hole in the chair. (laughs) It is wild. We talked about it. that he, He talks about, too, where, like, this was the beginning it was in the beginning of his friendship with Bernardo Bertolucci, mm-hmm. and Bert- Bertolucci read his script while he was reading Bertolucci's movie at the time. And he's like, but the whole time, I was stealing looks at him to see if he was scared. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man, that's the worst, right? When somebody shows you something uh, and they're just looking at you. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, what do you think? You're laughing? You're laughing? Yeah. Uh, but then he just kind of is like, we kind of stopped being friends after that. But I will always cherish that. He's one of my best friends. And you're like, what happened, man? <laughs> like, come on. Analyze something. Yeah. Um, analyze this. Can you things. analyze that? Like, one of them. I mean, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this was, uh, uh, it was his debut. And uh, like we said, it was 
it's if you have seen if you've seen most of our gentle movies and you haven't seen bird with the crystal plumage of course that's crazy go see it again i looked up the the blu-ray uh-huh. The special edition Blu-ray comes yeah. with the poster and everything. Oh, I don't have a Blu-ray player, but if I did, I'm going to get that. I'll say, too, and this is like timing us and also where we are, but there'll be a screening of it right down uh, the road here. Oh, really? Uh, like October 22nd outside. Really? <laughs> Might have to go and look into that. Yeah. Huh. It's put on by the video store, Videotech. That's an actual video store you can rent shit from. Oh. That's the one where now I you know went, where Jeff lives. Go get him. Yes. That's uh, the one where I went and got snobby about them because they didn't have the house with the laughing windows. <laughs> ah, damn it. That's a, that's a night my wife's working and I have to watch the kid. God damn And my mom's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Um, but uh, so yeah so this is also uh, we have to say this is another trilogy (laughs) this is one of the animal trilogy this is the first in the animal trilogy uh, to the point where Daria was like I cannot have any more animals I'm all animal doubt obviously that's why I like to abuse cats (laughs) God, he is obsessed with abusing cats yeah he hates cats hates cats more than anything hates them uh, Huge mouse guy, though. He's a big man. Loves them, loves cheese, and loves like having a little piece of cheese. And it's so cute <laughs> when it's holding that cheese. Um, what if he's one of those Disney heads? Like, he's just like, you're super like obsessed about it. Nothing that makes my black heart beat quicker than Peter Pan's flight. There's nothing wrong with wearing the Mickey ears. I'm excited. <laughs> I man, watching that gaunt man try to put on child's Mickey. Oh my ears. god! Yeah, that would just immediately be disturbing. <laughs> this is part of the trilogy. This is uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage into Cat O Nine Tales mm-hmm. into Four Flies on Gray Velvet. Uh, the all the animals we love. Yeah, uh, birds, cats, and flies. flies. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it's again. It's his Cornetto. It's a loosely put together trilogy. Uh, I was going to say, um, watching this, there's no way that this wasn't an influence, a big influence on David Lynch. Oh, yeah. There were parts of this this movie where I was like, this feels very Lynchian. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Definitely. Um, it Because it, it has, because uh, it's not as wild shot wise, but it has the... Uh, realistic weirdness yeah that's you know what, what it was it was like there was like kind of uneasy like kind of weird characters or like mm-hmm. deliveries and mm-hmm. and just kind of weird circumstances like yeah. uh situations that kind of made you feel a little like huh like it felt dreamlike almost yes yeah and that is the other it is like this is a classic argento like he probably explains away some stuff uh, by dreams, or it's supposed right. to be dream logic, but it also is again. It's leaner, and it's one of the ones that makes uh, the most sense. I would say out of an Argento, like yeah. there's not a lot of parts that you're completely like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like you kind of just go with it. But the story basically makes sense. Um, yeah. Or I again, as more than most, it really does. I think more than uh, most of Argento's films, this has a more kind of like through line, mm-hmm. easier to follow. If you start to pull the threads a little bit, the ending kind of is like, huh? Sure, but it's way more digestible. I think if you showed somebody Suspiria in this movie back to back, you would think you would a normal person would probably be like a normal person yes. <laughs> but people will probably be like uh, your average moviegoer will probably be like yeah those are two different directors mm-hmm. yeah. there are similarities yeah, but they're yeah. two different directors because the Suspiria is very much like nightmare dream 
you know, hyper color dream logic kind of to kind of thing. And this is a little bit more Hitchcockian. It's Hitchcockian realism yeah. with odd characters, which also this is the first time that I was wondering if Argento's use of like comedy, <laughs> like which you're always like, it's kind of funny, but not really. It's just weird. Yeah. And we'll probably see that in some other ones. Uh, uh, and even with some of the actors he reuses. But I wonder if that partly comes from his little bit of time. And because Italian directors would do everything, like in Italian comedy. Mm. So he'd be like, oh, I want to have these elements kind of bring it in. But then they do feel like off-putting when it happens. Because you're like, is it supposed to be weird or funny sometimes? <laughs> well, I thought it was really weird how much he used coconut cream pies in this. It is a little odd. Uh, and <laughs> Yakety Sax is uh, it's used overwhelming. A lot. Yeah, yeah, it's like Ennio Morricone is beautiful for the soundtrack, of course, but I'm surprised. Stepping in bl- buckets a lot. I mean, granted, they're filled with blood, but like a lot of buckets, you know, uh, yeah, slipping on banana know, pills. Yeah, I didn't know the joke, holy mackerel, came from this. Like, yeah. And then the fish with the holes in it. It's exactly. Yeah. Uh, really laugh a minute. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, there, it's like when the comedy comes in, it also helps with the kind of off-puttingness. Yeah. Um, but it, this is also like it—it it is his classic moves of, which are uh, the Hitchcock move, and it's the ends up—it's the De Palma move too. It's the, like that there's something hidden that we didn't see. Yeah. There's something that's like a big theme. Like he loves that. Oh right. Um, yeah, and yeah. that's like for Giallo's too. I mean, Giallo's. Uh, this isn't the first Giallo, but it's the one that kind of popularized them. Yeah. Um. Other trademark the gloves that are Dario black. I mean, this yeah. is Dario. Yeah, Dario is doing our black gloves. Mm-hmm. Uh, really stroking those knives. Mm. Uh, just that knife collection. I'm like, of course you went for the big one. Yeah. Like, what are you picking those other ones for? Um. Uh. I've realized, too, I don't know much, and I'm sure some of our listeners do. I've never gone, in all my love of Italian and giallos, I've never gone into the crimey films, which are like the German uh, mystery, like proto-giallos, basically. It's oh. like a whole subgenre in German film that also, I think, has some carryover into Italy mm. that I think were called K-R-I-M-I. I, it's a whole world where I'm like, oh, I don't even know that. So it's like hard sometimes. So forgive us if we're not realizing sometimes the things we talk about are like tropes yeah. that actually come from there combined with Hitchcock. Because also I will say, and we might have talked about this, I am I have a little bit of a blind spot for Hitchcock, actually. May, oh, well, I, uh, I know I, enough. I sort of do. Yeah, I know enough. I know the surface level of it uh, based off of like just my family was big into Hitchcock and like, I watched a lot of those films Yeah, and even in college too, when I was in film class, whatever, right, right. uh, before I changed my major, <laughs> um, I, you know, you had to watch a lot of the big ones or even like kind of like the little ones too. But like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, I couldn't be like, Oh, they obviously lifted this from this movie. There's ones I'm sure, like, and that's in being in film school. I'm amazed that we didn't lean into Hitchcock more. I feel like it's yeah. just like depending on who you've got and what classes you happen to take. Yeah. Like, where I'd be like, oh, we're gonna spend a lot of time on Hal Hartley and never talk about Hitchcock. Dude, my professor was awesome. He was all into like B horror movie schlock. His name is Harry Binshoff. Nice. Uh, and he wrote a book about queer cinema. Oh, awesome. And yeah, he that was he was all about that. Uh, he was always talking about John Waters, how I got introduced to most of John Waters right. stuff. But we watched Gremlins 2 in class. So we would watch something like Citizen Kane, um, uh, Chinatown. And then when we watched Gremlins 2, 
And we're like, what, really? Right. And he's like, it's the perfect parody movie. And it, you just like, he really broke it down of why it was great. And I like, I love this professor and I've, I've loved him since, uh, I don't know what, I don't know if he's still teaching at the university of North Texas, but, um, he was great. Someone was hopefully nothing bad happened. He was right, canceled right. or anything. But but you yeah. know, he's a monster. Um, <laughs> there was like, I feel like recently, I just want to say it was with Gorley and Russ because I, and I was like, yeah, I was like that. There is a validity to the, it a lot that I like in my film school, I felt like it was like the classic film school and like, and, and especially because of the time I mean, it was 96 to 2000, there was a lot of leaning into like independent, mm-hmm. like, but when I, I can't remember who exactly worded this, but it was just like, it's like they didn't realize that when you're talking about independent, you should be talking about John Waters exploitation film. <laughs> like, yeah. because also that's probably where your work is going to go. If you're being realistic, and I do think that's the problem of a lot of film schools, it's just not realistic. Like, I left yeah. film school both, like, I was more focused on being in a band at the end than yeah. being in a fucking film. And, like, I didn't really want to do production. I hated production. Yeah. At most, I was like, I'll be an editor, but then saw how much work that <laughs> would be, good, honestly. Yeah. I was like, ugh, I don't know about that either. <laughs> um, but, like, there, it's just, like, there's not a lot of realism in I think even at the time being like what you should do if you want to do independent film focus on doing like a heartfelt drama that you'll have to convince someone to give you a lot of money for because that's the biggest challenge yeah yeah that's not gonna ever happen if you're gonna want work it's like doing horror and exploitation even though I'm not a big fan of these movies I do feel like in film classes now they should show like mumblecore you know like Mm the um What's his name? Joe uh, Swassington. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, or um, Duplass. You know, Dupl- like yeah. the, even like the early Duplass stuff. Like, just to be like, you'll more than likely have to write something like this, shoot it on your own, uh, and you have to be creative with it. You have to fund it. You have to find right. funding somehow. When you're looking back in the independent film that they're talking about, is the ones funded by independent studios connected to major studios? Yeah, but it's that's like the thing. that's pointless. Also, most of those movies, uh, like the ex exploitation movies or these kind of low budget movies then are copied by big studios that get more attention. Right. And it's like these movies existed to then inspire the kind of, again, like it's just like, it's the same with music. It's the same with literature. It's everywhere where it's like, it starts with something small, it gets emulated or blown up in a bigger way and it gets become more popular. Right. You have to see the genesis of it. Because it's also like, I mean, now we're just getting into just film ideas, but <laughs> yes, it is true. Let's pontificate, it's, shall but we? But it is connected where it's like, it's insane that in retrospect, like I was obsessed with Halloween, especially in college. Yeah. And we didn't talk about it. The biggest independent film. Yeah. Like in, in that, like, I'm like, it, it's important to watch Chinatown. But that's not going to happen for n- nine of, out of yeah. ten of everyone. <laughs> like honestly, like yeah. and and it was just in it in and and you. It's the thing I think we fight about in this pot, like fight for with this podcast. And I think the world has come around maybe too much, almost. <laughs> but it's like that the gutter is also where the gutter of film is also where a lot of film lies, yeah. and where a lot of more interesting ideas can happen. If you're a person like film school 
in retrospect, some parts of my film school, I'm looking back, except for like the ones, like the teachers who stood out and were really kind of supportive. It's like, if it was music, it's like you're only talking about like, get on a major label. Like, and that's the only, and because that will be the art that's important. Exactly. And no, like, that's not where, I mean, we, we can go for hours about how like this horror film actually says more about the world than this and that, but like also just legitimately, if you're looking at it as a trade school, yeah, it's not a smart move to it's, be like, try to make a heartfelt fucking drama yeah. that will cost more than you would imagine. <laughs> like it's, and granted, I was also at the time of film. Like where it was like literally the transition of like if I had gone a couple years later, maybe I would have had more time with digital shit. Yeah. But like it's great that I got to learn that. But it's like literally like, all right, learn how to fucking Steenbeck edit. It'll never happen again. We're done with it. We were the last class to use. Uh, I remember having to edit the with Aeroflex. the the um uh the razor blade. Oh uh, yeah. You know, cut Did you do that. with the two spools? Yep. Yeah. The two spools, and it was insanely hard and then we were also like i think half the semester we did that mm-hmm. and then the other half we did uh digital and i was like oh <laughs> i did only one movie on avid and you had to rent like an hour at a time oh yeah there was no avids and now it's just like you can and that's just how life goes but like it's kind of semi-pointless to do the scene but it's cute like yeah. and you can lie to yourself that you need to learn how to do cuts on that but it's like not really yeah not if no one's thinking in those terms anymore <laughs> but uh, that's where like in all of this is what I'm going back to is like in some ways is like, yeah, we should have been looking at at least a little bit of like Bird with the Crystal Plume, which yeah. is like horror, like the, these these movies that were, you know, even the the outcropping of a Hitchcock. Like, I mean, I guess I didn't even get to the Hitchcock in my film studies. Uh, but yeah, as a film major, there's also a reason why like it was not until I graduated film. I was like, I'll finally watch The Godfather. I just had these like fucking parts you know. that were like, nah. But then they would talk about like Fellini or someone like that. You know, like right. they would always be like occasionally like the... But they're still like huge, you yeah. know, like yeah, those the the big leagues, and I yeah. think the small leagues are actually the more interesting. But and so, I mean, that's why I was so into uh, like one of the billion reasons into genre and why Argento hit me so hard was mm-hmm. just like this whole world is happening, and it might as well not. It's just same as punk to me. Yeah, it's like this world's happening, and I didn't even know about it <laughs> somehow unless I stumbled upon it. Yeah, unless I'm like, oh, these people actually clearly like, yeah, Lynch might have liked this and then went back to this like uh yeah and so and then you start to find the history and you get to bava and all that kind of fucking shit yeah um uh it also just you know keeps you from a world of not seeing just smoke show after smoke show (laughs) i mean seriously frank we talk about it almost every italian movie yeah but I mean, wowzers. Just uh, beautiful Italian people. Just... If it's not a goofball who's yeah. like the pimp character. Exactly. Like oh who is God. like Marty Feldman <laughs> times a billion. <laughs> Man, talk about leaning into a character choice. Um, I mean, it's borderline offensive. Uh, yeah, borderline. <laughs> it's, it's, it is offensive to people with stutters. And um, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Like, some of these actors are just absolutely gorgeous. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just also just want to find uh, what I called. Yeah, he was poor, stuttering Italian Marty Friedman. Like he was just like his. <laughs> oh, wait, that I character. thought he was going to say that was his credit. Yeah, I wish that's what they called him. <laughs> um, but no, like I mean, yeah, this movie. I mean, his 
I mean, Tony Musante is a delicious looking man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though we know he's a dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like Susie Kendall, his oh. girlfriend. Yeah, gorgeous. Wow. I mean, yeah, she's also in out. Torso, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I don't remember, because I only saw it once, but she shows up in Barbarian Sound System because that's like a retro reference to these Italian movies. And yeah. she's playing the mother of someone and they kind of like reference oh, wow. because she was in these. But she's also in like Thunderball. Yeah. She's in a couple, but her, the, like, it shouldn't ever be that we're going by who they're married to, but it blew my mind that she was married to Dudley Moore. Oh, ah! This is Arthur on the rocks. Dudley is alive and well! You see my movies. have another drink, Arthur. But she, they divorced, but then she stayed friends with him. And like, but it's like you see the two of them together. It's like, wow, what a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. Dudley Moore is a good enough looking man. I mean, I mean. You're li- that's also the time of like Diane Keaton and Woody Allen. And, you know, <sighs> Gosh. she did have like a Keaton esque quality to her, too. That's yeah. what I noticed. Uh, but even the, the spoiler, the murderer. You know, like even her, I, Eva Renzi, at the, who at, did not like this movie. She apparently she, talked, no, she, she hated yeah. being reducted to a uh, crazed lunatic. Yeah. But when that last scene, when she's like, hey, 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 I was like, would have dated her in my twenties. Oh my god, that yeah. would that was like I don't know what it was. Our friend Allison Bennett could tell you that she can attest to this. I don't know. You didn't know me that well, and um, right. but uh, when I moved to New York and stuff, and there there was just a certain type. That I was very drawn to, and uh, crazy girls are fun. It was well, <laughs> not so much. After a while, I was like, I gotta stop doing this. Crazy girls are fun to start, <laughs> right? But that being said, like I was a mess too. So yes. it's like, I mean, I mean, I was nowhere near the level of what who I was dating. But like, man, I mean, even it got dangerous for a while. Yeah, <laughs> even the fourth victim, Rosita Taroche. Was like I was like oh, yeah. smoke show too. Also with that like kind of iconic vision of the giallo glove holding her face down, but like with the like piercing like kind of blue eyes like like wide open. I was mm-hmm. like this is like the cover of a billion giallo movies. Oh yeah, this visual looks so good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was just like stunned with Susie Kendall every time I was on there. Yeah. I mean, also I love that like this movie is like a fish out of water scenario and he is also the main character of sam uh tony musante's character is such an american oh yeah like and he's supposed to be the american italian but it's just like can't fucking see what a great life he's got yeah he's just kind of like whatever he goes they're like don't you want a copy of your book and then he's (laughs) just like no i don't need it i got this check here and even like with her he's just like so like fast and loose and just being like Hey, I know that the murderer said that you know I'm gonna kill your your girlfriend, but hey, stay here. It'll be fine. I'm gonna go chase down this thing, even though we're supposed to leave for America to be safe in eight hours. But that's a very Argento thing. Just what you said, like cut his vacation short mm-hmm. so he could just lock himself in a room. Yeah, it's like that's basically kind of what he did in this. Is just being like, hey, I know we're about to go to safety and be in America and right. be away from all this, but you know what? I'm just gonna go uh, help you get killed faster. Do me a, a favor while that's happening. Can you pack us up? Yeah, could you do that? Do you mind? I'm just getting Thanks, on a train doll. for an hour and a half to go talk to a painter, and we leave in five hours. Oh, jeez. Like, I was like, and I, that, I mean, it's, that stressed me out. It stressed me out so it's, much. I was like, no, you can't. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's like the argument I have with my wife all the time. I was like, no, we can't do all this stuff in that amount of time. <laughs> right. What's your concept of time? Right. No concept of time. It, hey, but audience, 
I'm no angel either. Oh. So even though I, I uh, mentioned a little bit of my private life, and maybe that is throwing my wife under the bus, hey, guess what? <laughs> There's a lot to throw me under the bus with. I can say that. Man, yeah, it's I, that. Those this movie is stressful, but those parts stress me out the most out of everything. Because he is just such an American. I mean, the basic plot of this movie, as we are wont to do, almost like long ways in talking about what it is. But he's a writer from America. Uh, who's trying to break through his writer's block. So he comes to Italy. Doesn't really work out according to him. So he's going back to America. But on the way back from... He wrote a book about birds, like a textbook for birds, for birds. Uh, He witnesses a murder. And then the police are like, you can't go. And then he is let go. And he's still just like, nah, I'm going to stick around. I know I saw something. Again, and I can solve this. I can solve it because I'm an American. Like, is kind of how it translates to me. Uh, uh, And just the fact that, like, dude, you're in Italy. You've got a smoke show model for a girlfriend. You're telling us she's a model. You got a great place. Great place, which is such an of the time move because they're like, I think they're acting like it's supposed to be shitty. But it looks awesome. It looks like every <laughs> loft we were all trying to live in in, New York. in fucking New York. <laughs> it is a beautiful loft oh, with man. a beautiful lady who seems to want to have sex with him all the time. While a friend is there. Friends there. Carlos is there smoking cigs and drinking wine. She doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. No. Uh, the shirt got, is off. Yeah. But shirt is off. Black power poster on the wall <laughs> right, for yeah. no particular reason. They're I'm allies. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Politics. I don't know something uh but uh he just like i the whole time you're just like I think your life's pretty good man yeah like you're the problem of most of us Holy. like you can't see what's right in front of you this is the meal man and your meal's pretty good <laughs> i'm an american man exactly that song was written about him and it I'm wasn't coming about to a band. your town and i'm not gonna appreciate anything <laughs> I'm an American man. Grand Funk, you nailed it, brother. Pack for me. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah. So what this movie is then is him trying to figure out what he forgot, what he didn't see. And throughout, people are getting murdered. Um, You know, and and it, it... What ends up being, spoiler, the end of the movie is that it's a whole twist. It's how you perceive. It's how you perceive. The exactly. eyes can be deceiving. Exactly. I do think because it's pulled back and it's a little bit more reserved, I do think those kind of basic themes in this movie kind of come across a lot better. Like, it's like you, you kind of don't, uh, there's not as much of like Argento getting distracted with his beautiful shots, which then distract you. There are actual things that it is about perception, that it yeah. is about, like, he's obsessed with eyes, and this one really is about eyes. Even the fact, like, so, like, uh, the big set piece that we talked about before is, like, he's walking, Tony, uh, Sam is walking past an art gallery, and it's this, like, beautiful, like, really bright white art gallery, and he sees a woman in white struggling with a classic character from a giallo. Yeah. Like, might as well just be pulled from every other one. Yeah. Like, Why he's dressed like that? We don't, Who knows? Yeah. According to Argento, it's just like, I thought it would be crazy because we mix it up, the white and the black, and you think that the black is the bad, but actually the white is the bad. Mm. <laughs> like, he's just like, he's playing with tropes. 
Uh, yeah, they don't. They should explain why he's dressed like that, but not really. No, he just that's how fashionable he is. He just it, likes it. He just prefers black. Exactly. Know? So he Sam ends up in the doorway. He can't get to it. There's a wall of glass, but then the other wall of glass behind him. <laughs> closes so he's stuck in this aquarium i thought that was a crazy apartment i was like what kind of that would crazy be mixed up apartment <laughs> where you could see everything inside and i was like oh it's an art gallery that would be like one of those apartments where you like get there and you're like oh you rent a storefront like we definitely <laughs> right. like we record a record with our engineer and he worked he like lived in a sto- old storefront oh, yeah. and i was like this is so weird like it just <laughs> has a different way to live um but i like it makes for he was right i don't Look, I don't condone ruining your marriage in a vacation by going home to write a script when you still have a week to go. Yeah. That being said, that visual is a set piece and a half that also does establish the thing. Like, it's the one of the more successful things in this movie is right at the beginning is that, like, he gets trapped. The woman is bleeding. Yeah. She got stabbed. And then he's kind of just stuck there. You and, think, yeah, you think you see everything, but mm-hmm. you've actually seen nothing, and you're stuck here having to relive it and re- watch it in front of you. And in my mind, I was getting like way too in my head because I was like, I know we'll talk about this, but I was like, this is a great summary of life. <laughs> because like it doesn't become the over dramatic, like mellow, like if De Palma did this, mm-hmm. it would become crazy Dutch angles and there would be like some like extra, like like close-ups on face and the split screen. Yeah. Instead, and why it feels so weirdly reserved is like he sees her dying. He's trying to talk to her. He tries to get a hold of the guy outside who walks by. He's just like, nah, just pointing at his ears. Yeah. And then he just puts his hands in his pockets. Yeah. He's just like, well, and he basically sits down. Yeah. He sits down. He just like, and the cops come. And even when the cops come, he's just like, what am I going to do? I... I thought that that guy wasn't going to get the cops because even how he kind of left, he was like, all right. It was that goofiness that Argento will put in that kind of semi-comedy. And you're like, was that kind of supposed to be joking? Yeah, I thought so, too. I was like, that's a weird uh, moment. But it's like, it's it it to me, it was like, because this is a movie about the stranger in a strange land. And it's a movie about, to me, it's also... Like, obviously, it pays off, but it's a theme that we've talked about, and I think we both are kind of obsessed with that he's, like, an American who's, like, I'm the hero. Like, I'm going to be the one to solve this. Yeah. It's not these other people. Johnny Cowboy. <laughs> exactly. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. But that scene is the actual truth of what is most of life. Is <laughs> like, you might even see someone die in front of you because literally... If I'm getting super heady, we all are going to watch people die in front of us. All of our life will be slowly watching us and our friends and our family and everyone die because it's inevitability. Yeah. And kind of the only real reaction is to put your hands in your pockets and just kind of wait. Like, and, and hope someone will come to, but even when they come, not being like, the cops are here, there's a murder. Just being like, welcome to life. Well, we're not living. We're actually dying. Thank you. We're all just decomposing slowly. Uh, let's uh, get busy living. We're born busy to dying. die. Exactly. Uh, but that is just like, it felt like it was, I just like that he also was like kind of bored by it. Like borderline just like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like just kind of, yeah, I don't know. Well, this is happening. It's like, it's basically how we become desensitized to 
everything shocking now. Yeah. Everything. Well, and that's the why I liked it, too, is because <laughs> it's like people love to have that narrative. That it's just like, ugh, this world we live in. Like, it's just, we just, now is when we get desensitized. And I'm like, no. It was like 1970. You can pick any year. Because it is. Like, he's surrounded by, all those statues are like Giger-style art statues. Yeah, they're really, (laughs) they're really straight. Like, Beetlejuice-esque, you know, like, When he gets trapped under that, I was like, Tim Burton certainly stole that idea. (laughs) Um, But he's surrounded by this horrific stuff. He's also surrounded by this kind of Kubrickian, like, fucking white room element. But his end result is kind of a whatever. Yeah. Because that is fucking life. Like, it's just like, yeah, I mean. And and even in some ways, I could write some dumb fucking long fucking film Twitter essay about it. But it's just like that he is trying to add meaning to his life in reaction to his realization that like this is just life this life is that you're probably going to be watching death in front of you and have your hands in your pockets (laughs) but instead what you're going to do is try to force yourself to be a hero (laughs) even when the cops are like can i see your passport like and it gives him the passport and he's just like i'll hold on to this he's like what i'm supposed to be leaving on twa Tomorrow must be nice. Right. Um, Good for you. You got those tables where you face the other passengers. Oh, you get great. to talk get to, to a nun the whole time. <laughs> get to stare at that nun. <laughs> for, yeah, for a trip from Rome to, back to New York or wherever you Certainly you're from. you'll be like fingering your smoke show of a girlfriend in front, <laughs> in front of, of the nun. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, like they keep him there and he's like, this is an outrage. Like I'm an American. I'm going to talk to my embassy. Which also, I love when IMDb is like, it's a goof. They're in the city of Rome. It would have been a consulate, not the embassy or oh. something, whatever it is. Um, but Checkpoint. He gives up on that fight pretty quick. And I think partly why he did is because that's what the movie is. We're going to watch this guy. Right. But there is a reading of just like, he's like, what are you going to do? I've been in Italy. I'm a writer. I haven't been happy with my career. I'm writing bird books. I have... <laughs> writer's block i can't even see that i got this smoke show in front of me who is throwing her body at me nonstop. <laughs> i need something else to fucking take the pain away that is life yeah so what that will be is i will be the hero <laughs> i saw something because only me yeah and i'm yes, special right i'm there special. there must have been a reason that i saw this yeah and that and and you know you don't have giallos you don't have movies you don't have mis- like most of this stuff without the person thinking that there is a specialness to them and that's part of the fun of it yeah but there is fun to see that reading of just like well that again like it's a theme we keep going back to just like no one's special you're not <laughs> special Sam and even as the actor if he kept looking for his motivation from Argento and Argento's is like you're not special like whatever <laughs> i mean there are some people who think that like the human race like us a civilization is not special and that we were an accident yes like we're an anomaly i might be one of them most of the time <laughs> like, sometimes i go back and forth on that i yes. really do like sometimes i'll be in that kind of um existential yeah, well, not existential, but like that nihilism, you know, like yeah. that nihilist kind of, um, is it nihilism? Yeah, uh, I'm nihilism. not sure. Nihilism. Uh, Niles. Neil uh, Youngisms. Yeah, Neil Youngisms. <laughs> but like that nihilism of just being like, you know, yeah, maybe we're, we're like we were a speck of, you know, right. dust from, you know, the Big Bang. 
that just freakishly somehow formed this that then led to this and that we're we're the exception like that's us we're it right like we're it we're the only thing that will exist we're the only exception and after we're dead we're dead right like sometimes i get in that mindset and then other times i'm like no man it's gotta be. there's no there's more to that there's so much we don't understand right. and, and we we move on and we do all this like you know it's not heaven but it's man we're we're on some other trip man we're there's a lot we don't know man but i think it's valid to have both going like you know I, like i you, constantly live in if that you're place. picking one or the other you're insane yeah like because you could do the nihilistic view that we have talked about of like Jerry Seinfeld putting up the picture of planet Earth to remind himself. He'll like look up and just be like, well, this is pointless. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I am on there somewhere. And even in that picture, I am not Jerry Seinfeld. I'm just a fucking speck of dust. So why would I care about that if I'm worrying about this joke? Just do the joke. Just write the joke. All right. Ah, come on, do it. What are you doing? Ryan. I did a, a commercial with Superman. Come on. It's all on Netflix now. Uh, uh, the aspect ratio is wrong. Oh, no. What are you going to do? You're going to fix it like Disney Plus did with The Simpsons? <laughs> uh, give you the option? Um, that's my son. God, I hope so, though. Um, that was, uh, our, my buddy, Dave Ebert, uh, you know Ebert. Yep. Yeah. He. I remember I used to get so in my head. He used to help me with auditions and stuff. And I was like, how do you just remain calm? He's like, I just think about like, okay, I'm thinking about, I'm in this room waiting for this audition. Uh, think about the building when it was right. made, like how it has nothing to do with us and just like how the history behind it, right. how it doesn't give a fuck about you going in for Cheerios or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do my thing. And then I'm going to get out. I think this movie subconsciously, because we know Argento doesn't get himself, is that push pull. Yeah. Is the back and forth. This character, this main character, is constantly being like, all right, fuck it, we'll go back to America. Like, yeah. I'm done with this. And then... He gets obsessed again. I'm a hero. Yeah. I gotta be a hero. I need to have meaning to my life. And to me, that's almost the battle. Is like, <sighs> like, I need to have meaning... The world is meaningless. I need to have meaning. The world is meaningless. I need to be the hero. None of us are heroes. Because he gets so hot and cold. Like, he was so, like, he was, He'll, like... His dick will be in her vagina. Exactly. He was, like, <laughs> good to go. And then he's, like, Froop, never mind. I right. was looking at this weird painting. Now I got to lead. I got to go to this place. I got to uh, get on a train for an hour and a half right before we leave. And then he goes there, and he's, like, obsessed. And then, like, oh, no, I almost ate cat. And then he goes to the train station, calls her up, and is just, like, yeah, didn't work out i go okay let's go you know so it's like total doofus right. just like he was so like passionate and so like i mean willing to basically put his girlfriend in murder's way mm -hmm. just on this whim and then he's like oh sorry the train's been delayed by like a couple of hours so i'm gonna be a little late we're gonna make it to the airport and don't worry about it and it's like dude but here's the thing now i'm even realizing as we are talking about it dario's obsessed with the artist Dario's obsessed with the artist as his main character. Isn't that also the artist's the artist way? Like, like honestly, like as a creative, as an artist, that it is just every fucking minute a wild vacillation. Oh yeah, between this is pointless. My career is stupid, and then you get that spark. I have one spark. Everything is great. I have 10 fishing poles in the water. None of them are biting. You know what? I should stop fishing. This is all pointless. I need to find another craft. I need to do something else. Wait a second. I got something. I got a little tugger. Oh, <laughs> right. no. I'm going to be... I'm, I'm 
I'm special. You I'm get a little, a little minnow, boy. and then you're like, I got this. I'm a pro fisherman. <laughs> yeah, pro fisherman. And even the, I mean, that's the thing. Is like. I, I mean, this also got the classic diary where the cops are kind of doofuses. Like, in this case, it's more of, in a weird way, I bet you, I, again, could write some version of, which then this is in the modern times being anti-science, but there's some version of this where they'll be like, there's two to three times where it's like we go to the cops, they're like, we have this new technology. We're going to use this crazy It was computer. pretty impressive for that <laughs> yeah. time. I was like, that existed? I, I didn't know if that was like kind of like a heightened thing that was created like a Jetsons type of thing. Daryl likes what? to make up and play fast and loose with science. Like but that, he's the he's one of the early reasons why people are like, yeah, just do that. And they're yeah. like, fuck, CSI. God damn it. <laughs> but I love that they do that computer thing at the beginning and they're like, this will narrow it down. We know he's left-handed because of the way the glove is, like the way the glove was used. We know this and which also then leads to that one time when Sam throws the cigarettes and the what we find out is the killer grabs him with his left hand. He's oh, like, oh, yeah. oh, now I'm back in. I'm a hero. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. I do love, though, that it's just like, we've got this computer. It's going to narrow it down. Dot matrix. There's a dot matrix drawing of just a guy. I didn't see that. You gotta go. You I might that might have, have been when a commercial like flicked yeah. in, but yeah. I'm gonna get a try to get a screen grab of it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do like when you would do those. Like I'm gonna make a picture out of the dot matrix printer, right. and it's just like if you Frank drew me a man, like in vague five seconds. Like I don't think it even has a face, and yeah. like really, the computer did that. But then comes up with the list, and they're like, "There you go, a hundred and fifty thousand men." What do you think we're going to do? Get an alibi for all of those? That's too much work. Yeah, and then they like do it again with that guy with the weird sunglasses who's <laughs> breaking down. They constantly are like, we've got a lead. Ech, it's too much work. That's too like, forget about it. But that's, I mean, look. Isn't that? Well, no, but it's, it's very true because uh, recently there's been reports of the LAPD just being like, no, we can't do anything. Defunding. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you just got a huge bump. Yeah. And you're being an asshole. Yes. Exactly. You're being a gigantic asshole, and you don't want to do your job even more so. You're giving more reasons to defund. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever, man. See? The artist, he's given up. Frank is back in the fucking... Go ahead and ride your tanks around, (laughs) dumb fucking... Um, But yeah, I just think there's... there's... They're listening to this. I know they do. (laughs) This is the number one cop podcast. Yeah, they love it. What Um, the fuck? But yeah, I don't know. There is just something in... That theme spoke to me more than it ever has. Just the idea of thinking you're a hero and realizing you're not the hero, but constantly then being like, no, no, I could be the hero. Maybe I'm the one. Maybe I'm the one. Because ultimately, what does the guy see in his mind? Is he sees that, oh, I didn't notice she was holding the knife. Because spoiler, the end, the twist, what we find out is we thought that she was trying to protect herself from getting stabbed but actually she was trying to stab the guy in the black and we'll get into that maybe even a little bit more a little bit well we have to talk about the reason behind it the whole like prologue type of so yeah so what this movie what will you do end up finding out spoiler if you haven't watched it and you want the surprise it is a good surprise you should just go watch it yes it's crazy if you're having watched we probably should put in our description like please watch this before you listen yes definitely what we find so he gets obsessed with this painting, Sam, uh, and because he saw the painting 
where did he actually see the painting for the first time? He saw it at that the oh, yes. art dealer, the antique place, he, or the not antique place. It was an art dealer, right? Yes. Which is his own own joke where you're just like, oof. Yes. It, like it felt like '80s homophobia level, where it's just like, hey guy, I don't swing that way, like that kind of. He goes to the. He's doing his own research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's figuring out the vax. He's just fig- he's going to his own yeah. Reddit back then. Yeah, he really is. He's he is again. Why he's so American? Because he's sitting there. The cops are doing their shit, and what they're coming up with is science, and that the science just isn't sound, man. You can't trust it. Essentially, that machine that makes that dot matrix guy is Fauci. And Fauci's <laughs> out to get us. And yes, to think Fauci's out to get us means that we have to think that there is legitimately a global. Uh, <laughs> Conspiracy. conspiracy that literally every country has agreed upon this just so that the democrats can win or whatever funky crazy idea you've come up with yeah instead that's of why me- hillary that's what hillary clinton did that's why she lost it exactly. was all part of the plan she manipulated and she completely uh you have to believe that you have to completely throw out in your brain that human beings are petty fucking human beings and why would anyone work together that well uh <laughs> for their own means and that maybe most of the times the things that you are attaching to a conspiracy is just sorry the faults in capitalism and yes, of course, the richest people got richer because that's literally how it always works. Make it a war, make it fucking the AIDS crisis, make it whatever you want it to make it. That being said, he's doing his own research. He's going <laughs> through the killers and he's looking with his wife and she's sitting there. His girlfriend's like, can we bone again? He's kissing, not paying attention, this fucking guy. And then he realizes, oh, the first person who was killed is or one of the first is this woman who worked for this shop. I should go to the shop. Someone bought a painting and then she got murdered. The guy happens to have a, a the copy of the painting. I want to get a copy of that painting. I it you looks, do. I would love to have that no, hanging up in my disturbing. room. No, it look it looks like it's not. It, it's based off of this Dutch painting I found, but it like it looks like because it's black and white. The one he's picturing and the picture he sees, it looks a lot like an early Norwegian 1990 black metal album. <laughs> it looks like it could be like Remind some me of Fargo ripoff. for some reason. Uh, it will. Have, oh yeah, definitely yeah. feels like Fargo. Um, uh, I I. Look, you're you know the the. Canons. I know. I look. I'm looking around at Wouldn't violence all over your wall. Here? Yeah. Um. But so even he, your Melvin's poster has them as skeletons. Exactly. Get spooky. Um. But so he goes there, and so of course because it's Dario, we've already had that the Sam has to go to a police lineup, and they bring out all the perverts. Right. And then there's one person who's a transvestite, and they're like, "What is they doing here? They're supposed to be with the transvestites, not with the perverts." <laughs> like, and you're like, "Okay, I, that's <laughs> just a thing." I mean, and this is where Dario will always be like, "Well, it's not being homophobic. I just knew a character like that." And I do think I'll say this point after this. So they get to the shop, and of course, it's a like foppish gay man. Mm-hmm. And there's also weirdness in. So he's clearly hitting on Sam. Yeah, very aggressively. Very yeah. aggressively as he tries to tell him information about the woman. But he also, is there, did I hear it wrong that there's a line where he's like, the interesting thing about her is that I believe she was into women. How disgusting. Like he basically says a line like acting like he is like a straight man. Right. <laughs> that is disgusting that someone would be homosexual. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe which that is a was weird throwaway the... line. Uh, like, I didn't even catch that. 
because it happens really quick. And I was like, wait a second. I've never noticed that he says that. I was like, why would that be the dialogue that he chose? Like, is he trying to fake it? Or is it some version where Dario is just like, in my history, gay men hate lesbians. I mean, like, yeah, there is some truth to that. <laughs> right. Like from, so, yeah. so but, especially mean, 70s Italy. God, I hated saying that because it makes me sound like, be like, oh, there's some truth to all stereotypes. <laughs> right. Gotta look at both sides, man. Gotta look at both sides. Um, but... Uh, so yeah, there's this guy. And so here's my wondering, this isn't my defense of that character. Do you think Dario thinks I need to differentiate characters and that's just a character trait I'm picking? <laughs> like he doesn't see it as homophobic because as he always, it's kind of like in my mind, his wording is always like, I've known people who just like acts like that it's not because they're gay it's just a character that they are and because he's writing a script he's trying to like delineate each of them as their own thing and in his mind it's the same as the pimp with Tourette's it you you that's so interesting because it is almost is like the Cohen playbook right right Cohen brothers you Mm -hmm. know like it feels like no one is just no everyone's an like a character right Every single, yeah, now that you mentioned that, like, even the smallest part in an Argento film is some characterization, some mm-hmm. kind of heightened... Heightened characters, yeah, exactly. That way you can tell them apart very easily, like, even just from, like, the woman who goes up to her apartment after the date, you know, and has to, like, light a, you know, uh, a candle or a match to, mm-hmm. like, find her way... Like, even she has very distinct personality traits, and she doesn't really say anything. Like, is the shopkeeper in Argento's mind, even though it reads as homophobic now, he thinks it's the equivalent of the old lady. Remember, he's, uh, 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 the. I think it's, uh, is it Sam or the, no, his girlfriend, no, the woman who gets murdered. When someone's getting chased, it's super foggy. I'm blanking on what part that was. And then that old lady comes up and is just like, I think you are being followed. Yeah. And then also later, there's that bellhop in the hotel. Dude. That okay, I think I, might I, be the old lady. <laughs> I Well, I, I was like, the ADR on that is so crazy. Because the bellhop looked like, uh, it, I thought it was he. I'm sorry if I'm misgendering, but... He was 20, you know, like five. Mm-hmm. And then the voice they used was of a 12 year old. That's what I think it was the same actor. Maybe. In a weird I mean, way. like, yeah, we're playing like, both they, gender or whatever it was. It didn't yeah. matter, kind of, to, but because they both are so wildly character, but their faces look kind of the same. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I, but like, in my mentioned... mind, does he sometimes think like I'm making a foppish character just for character's sake? Europe and Britain, like I mean, it's everywhere. Shakespearean, yeah, really. Shakespe- yeah, exactly. We're just doing the Shakespearean. This is, uh, uh, this is the uh, movie version of the character in Are You Being Served? That like British <laughs> right. sitcom, you know, is right, like right, the shopkeeper right. is super yeah. like foppish. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. I just. It. It's one of. The, it's such an interesting. It's an interesting question because you'll never get a straight answer out of Argento. Like right. he's never gonna be like, yes, I did not like gay people. Like you're just like, no, that's not what I think he he's was. He's one thinking. of those things being like, what does it mean to you? <laughs> yeah. It's I all like it. Dream. Yeah. <laughs> it thought it was funny though. It's comedy. Like I want you to interpret it. You could be wrong, but you're right. <laughs> I think that's also though if he's coming out of comedy I'm also now realizing he's playing in 
broad stereotypes for comedy. Right. Which is, again, where we get to the kind of, like, kind of offensive, like, guy, does he have Tourette's, like, sort of thing with the pimp? Who says? Well, he's uh, got a stutter, and then he's yeah, it is Tourette's. I think it's, it's like Tourette's because he's trying to stop himself from cursing, s- cursing by saying the sentence he says at the end of each sentence. Yeah, it's like uh, so what? There's something. No, it's not so what. It's um, I listen to too much ministry lately. I, I know so people what are people are gonna uh, be yelling at their phones right now. Yes, um, I so don't long, know, but, right? What was that? So long, so long. That's it. It is so long. Um, uh. Which, again, could be a reference. Could be like fucking in Super Fuzz when he's eating beans. And you're like, oh, this is a reference to some comedy that we don't remember. Um, But yeah, there's just something interesting in thinking about how Dario is writing characters, but also from where he's coming from and the worlds of cinema he was coming from and the time of Italy. Like, like, what are his choices and why he thinks he's doing that? that being said, so basically he finds this painting and then he gets obsessed with this painting and the Sam does. And then he ends up going to, uh, that's when they have to leave their house in like five hours. They're going to fly to America. He's done with the case. Uh, he's gone in and out. That cop keeps showing up. Yeah. The one who's like a cartoon version of a cop. He might as well be Inspector Clouseau, <laughs> right. but without the bumbling like sort of thing. Um, they Except become, for at the end when he's like uh, nervous to answer that question, and he's just like, "Um, uh, will I? Uh, uh, right. Will uh, the, the, this uh, uh, this uh, in the this press conference? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, it's like, do you really need to be that uncomfortable? Just be like, I would like to hand it over to. Said, well, blah, 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 blah. I will say too, it's amazing that we've watched a couple and we've we've remarked of just like, man, his movies just stop. And yeah. that, this one, because it's also the first, he felt like he needed to do a cop press conference to explain exactly that was, what was your going justification on. came at the very end of right. like why this woman did what she did right and it was because of trauma for when she was assaulted so this one so the painting he we find out and this is the weirdly again we're saying this is the one that makes the most sense out of argento movies yeah. but like he finds out that this painting was painted by this crazy uh, everyone's crazy in this movie but this crazy painter who lives out in the woods he's like Jodorowsky meets Alfred Molina. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, meets he, caveman. <laughs> yeah, he's a caveman who boarded up the walls and you can't get in and he's eating cat. Mm-hmm. And he's out of murder paintings. He's doing his <laughs> in his mystical face. I love that part. Yes. I was like, yeah, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Very I'm cool. I'm going to buy a print off of you and do some <laughs> mushroom. I'm going to eat that mushroom <laughs> chocolate now. <laughs> so they do ayahuasca and they're mm-hmm. eating cats. Uh, but what we end up finding out is that guy drew the painted the painting off of a story in his neighborhood basically and it was that the woman who's getting attacked in that is the woman we see in the first scene Hmm. and then at the end we find out that the guy who we think is the giallo killer all this time wearing a black trench coat and he's got black gloves and it's always argento is actually sometimes her husband sometimes her and he, his husband, her husband is trying to keep her from getting arrested. Right. Because she, 10 years later, suffered a, a PTSD from originally getting attacked, assaulted, whatever version that is. I assume. I assumed, yeah. We assume sexual assault. Yeah. It's not, it's just kind of a based off of the way she was murdering, too. Because yes. the panty, yeah, uh, there's yeah, like the some underwear. sexual things of ripping yeah. the underwear off and and where they stab. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, they, they, 
it's tasteful this movie like it's not as wild in like no, it's yeah. more of blood spatters and you're, you're like it is again argento kind of leaving you to be the monster of just like did she just get a knife in her vagina yeah. maybe oops i'm thinking that don't put this on me argento but uh when she has her trauma relapse, she starts to identify with the killer mm-hmm. or the assaulter, not the assaultee. Right. And so she has a transference. Is this psychologically sound? Argento doesn't know. He's never been to a fucking therapist. Yeah. Um, but at that point, you're just like, this is actually more pulled back than most giallos. I mean, it, there is there is truth to people who are abused become, uh, become abusers. Yes. Yeah, because it's a uh, it's something that they know, and they're trying to gain power back by taking power away from other people, and mm-hmm. that that is something. But it's such a elevated version of that that you're just like, huh? And then at one point they say, oh, it's two people, because remember, like, because then he's. So I assume it's the guy called the husband calling with that creepy whisper. I assume, right? Yeah, it, it does get a little mushy. Like, and do we think that the husband had to kill to keep her out of? Because he's not complete. I don't think he's completely off. But like, besides being attempted or a uh, what would be uh, associate for murder or? Uh, yeah, uh, that would be um, accessory. Accessory, yeah. So it's an accomplice or an accessory yes. to murder. <laughs> so the husband is at least an accessory or accomplice to murder, but might, again, we said that it's a lot clearer, but still might be unclear. Maybe he murdered to cover up, but in theory, what we have found is she is hysterical. I mean, that's also just like a classic right of the time. You just have to accept it. It's like that <laughs> we're just dealing, even I was watching The Haunting of Hill House, Mm. I believe, and like it's like the one psychiatrist will not stop talking about hysteria. Like mm. it's just like constantly, just like of course she's hysterical. It's a woman, you know how women are hysterical. They get hysterical. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so yeah, it all it ends up being solved in the end. They they, they think that he, that the 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 guy is even on his death because he drops out of the window. Yeah, they uh, they couldn't hold on to him, even though. The detective or the cop wasn't helping him whatsoever. No, get not that at all. guy. We left it all on our protagonist yes. to like lift him up. He's like, "This shit's heavy. This guy's tall, and yeah. like he probably ate a burger before this." And uh, <laughs> apparently, they did that shot by literally just dropping a camera. Out. Yeah, the camera broke destroyed. A camera. But the the film survived, so they're like, "Got it." That's awesome, and that's independent filmmaking. That is. But yeah, so we kind of we we basically just go on this journey throughout uh well how did they get there jeff because like how do they figure out that that's who it is uh, how to get to that apartment (sighs) i get confused so part i'll get confused like my mate i might need clearing up on i i mean i know the answer i I know and i want you to give it because this is might be part of your answer because this is my one big question because i think even though i think it's a movie that i actually pay attention to all the way it is just like any italian film i have said before a good italian film you zone out at a certain point who exactly is the yellow coat murderer the assassin the guy who ends up being in the boxing committee convention who's a guy from hitchcock movies like who is he trying to assassinate 
Sam? Yeah, he was who trying was to do- kill them. So was that the the husband who hired him? Is that what we're supposed to be thinking there? No, I think so, that the husband hired the hitman because... But it's supposed to be a red herring. Yeah, but it makes no sense because it never comes back. We never find out that, that he was hired by the husband. There are a couple red herrings in this movie that are very... Too rare, like a Hitchcock movie in some ways, but yeah. they're very red herring. Like that, the the that it almost, unless there is a connection, I don't remember. Like that, the smoke show girlfriend maybe knows the cop. Like there's that one scene where they meet, and she's like, "I, I feel like we've met somewhere before," and she's like, "No." I know. I thought I thought that that was going to come up that she was like uh, a sex worker or something, right. you know, like or like or was know. it supposed to be a red herring that she might be the murderer in all of this? Yeah, I didn't know that that part was weird to me, and I thought it would come back to play later on, being like, "Yes, I remember she was uh, institutionalized," and like, yes. you know, something like that. I bet you, if Dar, you asked Dar here, just be like, hey, "The red herring." It's just uh, I'm trying to keep you on your yes, toes. That's right. Hey, hey, here I'm over here. I'm over there. Right. <laughs> I'm going here. I'm going here. But what do you? So what do you think's going on here? Like, well, no, I meant like the fact that like he, they called uh, the murderer called whispered, mm-hmm. you know, "I'm going to kill you." Um, and so he's like, oh, he's obviously Italian, whoever this is. Yes. Uh, but then, uh, he hears a noise in the background. Like the whole point of the title. Right. I forgot about this. So he hears a bird, like, well, he doesn't know it's a bird, but he hears something in the background, plays it for the police. And the police are like, what is that? Let's try to find it. And they're like, can't figure it out. And then he plays it for his friend. We've used this machine. We have analyzed it and we have done this and done this. And the answer inconclusive nothing works yeah all right go get out of here right yeah we have to smoke cigarettes um (laughs) uh but then like his friend is over and uh you know before he watches them get busy you know but he's listening to it and he's like wait that sounds familiar and then he takes it home when they start getting it on really stresses me out how he just yanks it out of that. Yeah, I was like, you're going to ruin this, man. He's going to put it by magnets, you know. (laughs) He's just shoving his pocket. That tape's flying everywhere. (laughs) Uses it as a napkin. Um, But then, like, he comes back, and he's like, oh, it's only in one part of Russia. And they start celebrating. It's like, why are they celebrating? Then he overpours, like, hey, what are you doing? He goes, that's what I was trying to tell you. He's like, "Uh, there is one place here. Yes. He goes, of course, where else would you have a wild bird? The zoo. The zoo. And then they go to the zoo. It's a bird that is can only be kept in... It's from Siberia. <laughs> it can only... They, yeah, no one's been able to keep it alive. It's the bird with the crystal plumage. Right. Because it's a specific bird that's known for its feathers. It's not a bird that exists. They made it up. So it's it different... can only be kept alive in, in, in uh, Siberia, yet it's in a cage just open in Rome. No, no, It looks like there's no uh, kind of... Doing provisions. Nothing. It's yeah. just the best way to keep a Siberian bird alive, Frank. Just shove it in a cage in the back of the zoo and make sure <laughs> right. it's by a murder. By a part of, yeah, by the apartments. Yeah. So what we find out is that when they were calling the apartment that they the murderers are in, which is the art gallery owner and his wife, they live right by the zoo. Mm-hmm. And so in the background, you can hear this fucking bird going bogok, bogok. And that's why his friend, who's Carlos... Affleck. Affleck, exactly. Uh, And then Flo from Progressive shows up, and I'm like, God, she just is everywhere. Wow, she uh, does her sketch comedy career through these commercials. Good (laughs) for her. Exactly. She figured it out better than the rest of us. She did Growlings, and she figured it out, how to game the system. (laughs) But, uh, uh, so... Luckily, Carlos... I mean, this is how Jallos always work, is just like, luckily, the main clue 
is able to be found out because the best friend of the guy knows someone like luckily this guy was writing a bird book and carlos happens to work for like the ornithological society (laughs) yeah but is also just a fun drunk (laughs) yeah he's just just drinking and smoking and watching his friend bone uh and luckily uh he was able to recognize that yes the bird with the crystal plumage is below the apartment so then the cops are with them and they can immediately go up and be like oh my god they're fighting about murder again uh it all connects the dots. Again, we said that this one like makes more sense than most, but also is like tenuously it makes does, sense. It does, but it does, yeah, comparatively. Yeah. But that is also why it feels like a giallo, and it feels like when you're re- you know giallos again based off those pulp books. Like this is a pulp story. Like yeah. you, that you have these leaps of logic that don't matter. Like they should. It, it it's getting you from point A to point B. Like, uh, uh, you don't overthink it. Yeah. Like, you know, it does make sense in the grand <laughs> scheme. Um, uh, uh, and this bird is then referenced in Suspiria. It's the thing that, you know, stops Marcos. Yeah. Like the light reflected off this bird that looks like a bird with a crystal plumage. A little Easter egg, a little mm. nod to his best work. DCU, the Dario <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Um, but yeah, like, and so then it kind of all pulls together, uh, with that title, uh, it, but again, this movie is also a, a fair amount of good misdirects. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they try to make you think maybe it's the girlfriend at one point. They try to make you think it's this guy. They try to make you think it could be the pimp. Yeah. Uh, the silly pimp, like, you know, who's been murdering, like, you know. Uh, I forgot also they have the comedy of the pimp recommends. Uh, what is the guy's name? Um, he's the Faina. He's going to cost a lot of money. He says, yeah, oh, he ain't cheap. Right. It's the Gomer Pyle guy that shows up. Right. Well, golly. Golly. Yeah, but he's like, yeah, that's a whole like wacky scene, right? Where he's asking if it's bugged. And then he's like, keep it when he takes out the money. And then he takes it. That's character. You might hear from me. In some ways, if I was, here's the thing. If I was teaching sketch comedy at UCB, I certainly would be like, because we just watched this, I'd be like, what you all need to do, watch Bird with the Crystal Plumage. (laughs) There's a character, Faina. He's got a character game. He's got a game. He's going to always say, I don't know anything about that. I don't know nothing. Here's your information. That's his pattern. He (laughs) has a pattern. He has a look. There's no reason to look like Gomer Pyle. (laughs) Um but he gives him information that leads him to this and leads him to, and like, you know, it, you do all the right moves of a detective yeah. uh, movie. Uh, and with these like fun characters that kind of break it up, uh, I don't know nothing, but I know this. That's his character game. Uh, and you got to find needles. Uh, uh, but yeah, and <laughs> so we're led to think also that Carlos might be the killer at one point. Yeah. Or the detective. Yeah. The. Yeah. Or. Uh, because Carlos is sitting there dead, smiling. Yeah. Looks like he's drunk. I was like, whoa. And then I was like, I was like, no, it's a friend. And then yeah. I was like, wait, oh, oh. And then he's like stabbed and then works you know, pretty well. Goes they after put a the knife killer. in his hands. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, then it, oh, Hornitus Novellius. I just have to say that. That is, uh, uh, that is what the bird is called. <laughs> it's the type of bird that is a bird with the crystal plumage. <laughs> um, also, just noticing my note underneath, I thought the lead actor had a Jim Carrey mouth sometimes. There's just something <laughs> in the way he smiles sometimes. He does this like, 
yeah. like, sort of thing just keeps reminding me of Jim Carrey <laughs> and a light Jim Carrey it shouldn't but it was totally weird I also we have to say uh, we talked about briefly uh, not a Goblin soundtrack but Ennio Morricone it's great I mean I, I have I, I have a question for you yeah so there are parts of this score that sound a little sexual like sure. a woman moaning. Yes. Like you can't tell if it's like supposed to be ethereal and spooky or it's like orgasmic. Yes. Because at the end when she is trying to kill him, she's like getting off on it a little mm-hmm. bit. But I was like, is this a Guns N' Roses situation where Enio is like fucking one of his bandmates' girlfriends and recording it? Take a listen to this. It's rocket queen. <laughs> you got it a boning. It's very possible. I mean, it's very Rosemary's Baby. Right. Uh, uh, even the fact that I forgot that, like, the opening is the killer taking photos of essentially Mia Farrow. Schizoid, yeah. It's that yeah, too, yeah. Schizo- yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's with the, like, kind of chanting e Rosemary's Baby meets other NEO stuff, but yeah. it does feel like it's a more sexual version of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yes, I definitely think Ennio's boning and then recording it because he seemed upset. Apparently, Dario showed up at his apartment and gave him all these records as references, and he was like, I don't need these. I am Ennio Morricone. And he was yeah. just basically like, I'm going to do what I do. Like, yes, you know, I'm going me. to record my love, man. Exactly. He was You're thinking going to about put it. it in your movie. Oh, you get my boning. A Ennio original. Um, Ennio. I'm Ennio you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very good. I mean, it's just a great soundtrack. I loved it. I thought it was really great and it was uh, spooky added to the atmosphere. I thought it was a very good... That was the other thing I was impressed with, mm-hmm. that the score was so good You know, for this first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, A-plus score. Yeah, A-plus score. And as you said, too, it is also... We talked about with Suspiria, with Suspiria doesn't really stress me out. I don't necessarily find it super scary. I find it kind of nauseous sometimes, like makes me nauseous, yeah. but not necessarily scary. Uh I think there's a fair amount in Bird that stresses me out and is, like, scary. There's, like, a couple good reveals. There's a couple good shots of, like, character walks in front of the frame, walks back at, like, the woman who gets murdered in that shot I talked about, the fourth victim. Yeah. And then the killer's there in the door frame. Yeah. Looks great. And legitimately, it's just like, whoa. Okay. That's good. So when Julia is uh, almost about to be killed, like, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty terrifying scene. Just the, the, the knife. Yeah. Kind of just going in there. Even when she tries to, like, there is, like, it is pretty dramatic, though, with both, like, that murder at the beginning and hers, uh, where it's just, like, you can't bear it. You can't bear it. It's like, uh, 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 and I was like, those people are supposed to be outside. Why don't you just yell out the window? Mm -hmm. Just be like, help. When she's also, trying does, to stab that hole, her face is like she's like, oh, uh, yeah. But well, she did move that very heavy um, drawer there yes. in front of it, so I, I get it. Uh, and also, it's like, well, I'm gonna die. You're kind of giving up. Yeah, back to giving up. But like, also, it is suspect though that this is why I thought it was our main guy was because he arrived there so fast after mm-hmm. the fact. He said that he was. Yeah. delayed which maybe it was like a red herring trying to make us think that like but it does feel like where it's like wait you didn't see the killer where's the other killer who's the person out there what's yeah. going on um uh yeah it, it's i i it i don't know man it just it works so it just works really fucking well you know another wow. part that was unnerving and it didn't have to be and i was like why why this choice mm-hmm. the cutting back and forth between that interview uh, the with a cop mm-hmm. kind of summing everything up and the plane noises as they were going taking off him getting on the plane 
And there's a very unnerving part where you hear like, like it cuts back and forth to the, the plane noises and does this really weird edit. I don't know if maybe it was just my copy right, or what, right. but like, I was like, whoa, what, what is this? And then it's like, no, we're good. We're sitting across from a nun and everything's good. Yeah. Bye. No, it is just, it, it, it leaves you uneasy. Yeah. Cause like you're like, are we going to find out that, you know, I thought we're, yeah, we're going to find out that she was also, or one of them or yeah. something like, you know, where or he the falls nun. asleep on her shoulder yeah, and, and she's then, like, yeah, I'm yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's a thriller ending. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I also want to say, I meant to say that it's like, this is, it's also a weird one to watch in as a, as an Argento. Cause it's, su- it's surprising how many people are in it. Like this is the one with like the most people in a city scene. Yeah. Like, and it's like, I'm so used to Argento. I was like, Oh, these quiet piazzas, nobody's walking in them. It's right. spooky on that. But there is something of like stranger in a strange land in this like busy metropolis, like met- metropolis, metropolis, uh, uh, that is walking through it and being chased. Uh, yeah. It's just interesting to watch. Like, you know, it's like clearly a choice he makes later to make these kind of more framed images because he loves art yeah um uh i will say too this is like you know he does the same thing a lot of horror writers say which is like if it scares me then i know it works but like apparently i think this stuff with the fourth victim that might have been the scene where like he wrote about in the book that like he really freaked himself out a lot and he thought that his phone line was gonna get cut like he's like writing it and then he said like his wife was at work and that's was a part that hit me too he's like all of my friends were at their jobs <laughs> and i'm writing alone and i was like been there brother yeah. like people are actually doing shit during the day uh and so he ends up going to hang out with his janitor in his building for a while just <laughs> if not freak himself out he's like oh dario did you scare yourself again <laughs> we keep going through this Dario, uh, stop it. But I totally get it. I totally get it as like that's where like it feels like whether he wants to admit he doesn't do therapy on himself, but like he really did capture the battle of being a creative and being someone who's just like, I know what I'm doing is important, and also it's not at all. <laughs> like I know I'm important. I've got to be important. I yeah. mean, he's in in need ev- to be important. Yeah. And and he unwittingly unwittingly captured the american vibe that has also permeated our fucking worlds like the QAnon basically world yeah. could be you could write a connection to this of just like i swear i'm important i swear i'm the one who figured out this story me and hundred thousand other people me and a bunch of other adults um uh versus oh i'm just scared i just realized i'm not really i'm point like you know yeah these murders will get solved, and maybe even that's what the end is. Like, there's a little bit of, uh, uh, it's 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 almost like you pr- could read that end part if you want to as a variation on like what happens at like the end of Taxi Driver, where it's just like, oh, we've solved the problem, quote unquote. But it's gonna, you'll be back in another situation like this, Sam. You'll be back in a situation that you're stuck in a fucking aquarium, yeah. staring at your loved ones die and yourself die, and you'll just have to put your hands in your pockets. <laughs> and you will try to make yourself the hero of that, and you won't be. Yeah. Just because you solved this murder, you think you've solved... Because that's the other part, too. They have... That's where, to me, when Dario is like, oh, sometimes they'll be like, oh, it's just my dreams. It's just fantasy. That the dream of this is actually, I did find my worth... Now I broke my writer's block. I've written 40 pages. I know. And I was like, dude. Maybe that's what I need. I need to witness a murder. You know, 
I've been wondering if that's what I need too. Maybe yeah. we both need to find a way to witness murder. <laughs> We're just walking around LA. Eh, where is it? Where is come it? Where on, is come it? On. Come hey, on. hey, come hey. On. Just walking around downtown, just looking for anywhere. Just like, please, can I get a murder in front of me? Then I can have like, purpose to my life. Oh, no, it's Logan Paul. God Maybe I'll do it. the murder. Now I'm a, I'm a murderer. I got more purpose in my life. Um, but I do think like that to me is like the mystical fate. I mean, even that, I mean, I'm sure we could find some way to connect the artist because the artist is a bullshit artist. Like he's creating this world that he doesn't need to make to make a pretty bad painting. Right. When he stops to do that one line in his mystical phase and he's like, perfect. (laughs) Like, it's just like, man, you, I know that person too. We know that person too. You're like confident about that. That's okay. Okay. Enjoy that pilot. Um, (laughs) But uh, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I think this is one that I've said a little bit before. I've always kind of lumped it in as just like, of course I love Argento, and of course I love Four Flies on, or, or I love uh, Bird. See, I'm just merging all the animal trilogies. Of course I love Argento, and of course I love Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Is the one where I'm seeing like when we watched Profondo Rosso. It's like I'm seeing the deep themes, and that's why Argento is so great, is because he doesn't mean to. <laughs> hit upon these themes yeah. that are so human and about perception. We talked about it with Deep Red, the perception that the drunk guy is the one who's seeing it, actually, yeah. and pointing out, like, all of our reality is kind of bullshit. What you're perceiving, you think you're the hero, David Hemmings, as well. Right. Um, I don't know. Like, Argento is the unassuming uh, theme king all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or... I'm a, a broken man trying to find themes in these movies, but that is what art is. That is the perception of art. You know what I mean? I mean, we got a lot of catharsis out of this. Like this conversation, I think, was a lot of our deep kind of uh, feelings and insecurities. It's what it's and, all about, yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, that's what you come. That's what podcasting is, right? That's what this is for. But that is the beauty of this movie. I mean, that's why, honestly, I love doing the podcast. Is like you could just watch this as a giallo. Yeah. And also, you could just watch it as just like, oh, it's a fun romp. Oh, what's going to the twist be? Uh, you could watch this as knowing in your mind, like, uh, the, well, Dario didn't intend any of that anyways. Like, probably. It just happened. But yeah. also, like, does that matter? No. You could listen to a record and one person's just like, eh, whatever. I hear it. It sounds okay to me. And then the other person's like, this speaks to my soul. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And there is, like, whatever time I am in that, like, watching Bird with the Crystal Plumage with this critical eye, I was like, I think the... Uh, uh, the most interesting part kind of almost connects to that thing that I said earlier that it's like it doesn't matter where you were what you came from in film like it's what you're putting down on the paper at that exact moment and whether Dario knew it or not he was putting down like that he's fucking this weird broken man who was trying to uh uh ultimately Dario in his first film is trying to get relevance. He's trying to get them to look at him. There, uh, we could keep going and be like, you do these movies with your dad. We all have dad issues. You're trying <laughs> to get your dad to acknowledge, yes, you are a filmmaker. Yeah. That's all of his moves in this book are like talking about Bird and that this is him trying to be relevant, him trying to be considered as an actual filmmaker. Uh, and not just a writer, which is the other artist thing of just like he has success as a writer and he can't just deal be with happy with that. Yeah, yeah he can't exactly. be fucking happy. Well, I, you know, uh, much like Lynch, I think like on 
what you see is just pure id. Mm-hmm. It's all it, whether it's conscious or not. Yes, it's just like it's like you know I don't know. It's all there. You right. know, like it's just like it just comes out of it. It flows. You know, right. like that kind of right. shit where it's just like, oh right, you may not intentionally do this, but it's there. Right, it's coming out, buddy. Maybe you're the not truest doing- art is the person who's not trying to inject some sort of fucking theme. They just can't they just even do. get out of their own way. It's the same thing. It's with- the opposite of tough guys don't dance. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, I mean that's the best. Like it's you know, like from like sometimes the best stuff you're writing or you do that you just like don't think about it. it just comes mm-hmm. second nature to you. It's just in you. It just comes out. It just it was always there, and you got it right. And I think that like some people, it's like when you meet like musicians like even like somebody like a i mean i know whatever but like a kurt cobain who's like yeah i just kind of played these chords and they sound nice i don't know anything about music theory you know and it's like yeah people who don't know this or even sketch you know sometimes you meet like you we would have a student or something that is like doesn't really know the rules just comes into sketch 101 and they're writing brilliant shit and it's Mm -hmm. all over the place but you're just like now i gotta teach you our method like yeah. i don't want to right. like i don't want to i i would always have the caveat when i teach i'd be like my teacher hat that you're paying for has to give you this note right my note of like my separate note that's just that you're you know uh just me personally this is funny as fuck and you should do this like yeah. you know right like you know it's just so there's no accounting for sometimes the art is just there and it doesn't need structure, and it will come out regardless. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And for the rest of us, we need the structure for for it to come out. Literally, know? just having this conversation on an episode of What's That Front, like discussing the merits of teaching comedy, etc. I think so. I think yeah, there and is. And I was just like, it's you, like teaching painting, like the basics of painting. Or nine music, times out of like, ten, people need a little bit of structure. They like, just need to at least know the scales, right? And then they can write the music they want from right. it. If you got the person who's just like everything you say is funny. But also, like, much like the character in here, like, most of us aren't that. Yeah. Like, most of us are not just a, like, woof, this guy doesn't even understand why they are fun. <laughs> like, this woman is just, like, blowing me away with their character choices and their thoughts. Like, uh, uh, and even those people could still sometimes use, like, a little bit of structure. Like, yeah. I mean, Dario, in this case, not knowing him and only piecing together, like, the reading about him, the history is, like, he used the genre tropes. He, we, this is clearly Hitchcock stuff, Bava stuff, Giallo stuff. Like, he's using semiotics. He's using fucking white versus black yeah. imagery in the most basic semiotic sort of way. Like, in reversing it and playing with our expectations. So, whatever. Like, that's all there. But also, then, you've got that structure allowing his subconscious to come through where it's just like, yeah, you're a scared fucking guy in your thirties who wants to prove to your dad that he's not wasting his money. (laughs) And that these cut this, all of these producers who are fucking telling you this movie doesn't work. It's not scary. It's not a giallo. It's not a detective movie. What the fuck is it? And the only person in this probably made up story who's backing up is just some random secretary. It's just like, it was scary. (laughs) It made me feel scared. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, I don't know. That's, again, the beauty of why all we talked about early with film school, but like why fucking you've got to pay attention to uh, 
the the stuff that other some people would call the garbage right like, and it'd be crazy to call argento and i mean argento like again why i brought up also shocking dark is like that's one where you could be like i'm with you like these are like there's some garbage i watch watching genre film right yeah but then there's these fucking people who you would lo- like if someone's just like i don't like horror and I'm like, all right, I don't really know where to go with that conversation because you've already shut yourself down. Yeah. And I'm aware kind of... I can do the same thing with being like, I don't like pop music. But then right. being like, I'm aware when I'm saying that I'm being a facetious asshole. I could find the versions, explain to you why this, like, literally was just talking about listening to Dolly Parton mm-hmm. and being like, man, I don't recognize that I Will Always Love You is a great song. It's because I don't really love the Whitney Houston version, but it's more just the delivery of it. Like, it's yeah. a belting out of an idea versus a pulled back restraint of the same idea. Right. For me, that works different. Like, you know, and so it's just like, that's why I'm like, oh, pop can sometimes be like, I got to be in your face versus I can be a little bit pulled back. Which is like, so funny, given the music that you've played right. and like right I that love- is so extremely I in your know. face but it's the approach to it yeah exactly it's the approach to it that has like a more human <laughs> side versus a created everything has to be on te- like produced and in your face sort of yeah. way uh and also clearly marketed for everyone Mass consumption. yes um yeah, I don't know, man. I, I know we went deep on on this fucking movie, but it's worth it. Like, <sighs> Yeah, I, I love this movie. This is a new favorite. I'm yeah. so glad because I had never seen it before. I don't know. I just never, even though like, I don't know, it just wasn't on my radar and nobody kind of brought it up being like, hey, you know what you should watch? Uh, and I'm so glad this came up because it's 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 a really great film. It's yeah. a really great movie and I, I'm, I love it. I think it's great. You know what? And again, all, and all this talk, you you being the listener might watch and just be like, it's fun. It's good. It's another Argento. Uh, again, that's the beauty of art is I think like both of us also were both open to you for the first time and me for like seeing it many times before and always being like, it's pretty good. It's not the one I go to. Right. Like it's and not like in Inferno either where Inferno still I'm like. I got a new appreciation for Inferno, talking yeah. about it with Love Band, but I still don't have it. Very I'm there high. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I just think it it suffers from its issues too much. Yeah, and, and the follow up such a, a piece of art like Suspiria. It's yes, hard. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's but, hard not to. But you like know. for this being like both like a great example of the genre, and then also having it be where it like hits on this part where it's like, well, I'm thinking way too deep about these aspects of my life, and it does actually hit upon again the subconscious elements that he didn't realize. It just fucking works. Uh, yeah. It 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 it's earned uh, its place. Now I'm realizing I need to. I have a post a mini poster of it somewhere that's in Italian. Uh, that I used to have hanging, and I put it was like an ad for one of the DVDs when I was visiting Rome once. Oh, my wife actually just like ripped it off a wall because <laughs> she's like, "You want this, right?" I was like, "Yes, of course I do." I think maybe Cato Nine Tails on the other side because it was whatever the company is, but I have it buried away. But I think I'm gonna have to whip it out and hang it up on the wall because wow. it's just it's grown on me so much more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, do we have anything we missed of note? Um, oh, when I realized that I did catch that line when he talked about the lesbians, uh, because he's, he follows it up by saying, I'm not a racist for heaven's sake. And it's like, was that a joke? Like, yes. yeah, cause he's not, that's not what racist is. That is the curious part. I mean, that's again, where you're like translation and also different comedy styles and 1970 
it's like yeah is that supposed to be funny or confusing (laughs) or does dario just think that's how it should be yeah yeah he says so long that's what we already confirmed Uh, he kind of looked like noel gallagher (laughs) i put that um (laughs) yeah because halfway through i was like oh this is more of a thriller than a horror but um Uh, yeah i the music i wrote uh, it's, it's a little sexual um when they found that uh the the yellow jacketed killer and he's in needles is in the uh closet like oh god freaky as hell. yeah that's really freaky yeah that i don't know there was one part i can't remember who it was but i was like oh they're wearing a nighty like it's playboy one of the murder victims <laughs> right. uh like i've only seen that like in a 60s playboy or something um the the husband had the biggest ascot i've ever seen oh yeah the ascot could not have been bigger <laughs> it's like that lenny kravitz remember that meme with lenny kravitz when he's wearing that giant scarf <laughs> it's like that um giant scarf to match his uh gigantic cock um <laughs> that was i was like trying to think i was like our one friend who wears ascots brett white and I was yeah. picturing he would see that photo and be like, that ascot's too big. Because <laughs> he understands men's fashion much more than oh, yeah. either of us do. Very fashionable. Brett White, we got to get him on. Yeah, we should. Oh, what does the detective feel sorry for him? At the end, he goes, I kind of feel sorry for him. after, But he thought he was a murderer. Yeah. Is it just because of the way he died? Because I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing? Maybe because he gave a sympathy because he was like, protect my wife like sort of like he like overemphasized maybe maybe i don't know also another uh question about that cop slash detective jeff do you know the science behind i see this in movies they have a phone in the car how did that work back then was it like satellite like was i think it was like an early i mean unless it was like one of those like vietnam phones right yeah yeah. i don't understand this i don't get it did Uh, you ever have a car phone growing up no or your any of your family members my dad did because my dad like right at a certain age it's like we were like always like middle class and then there was like a period where like i'm wondering if also like just like life was changing my dad was like kind of having a midlife crisis (laughs) and like all of a sudden he had like a jaguar with wow. i know a, like a maroon jaguar wow with a car jaguar. and like just a, established in the fucking <laughs> in the car wow that bill must have been so expensive. i was about to say it's like 10 my dad bucks was also in the telephone minute. business so it's like it oh. made a little bit more sense he like answering machines and stuff yeah. but uh it was just such an it just i was used to it and we had one in like my bronco that i got as a <laughs> lend me down or you know hand me down yeah. car eventually in college but and you were calling 900 numbers on it non-stop baby yeah one yeah. uh, kruger though it was just me oh. talking to freddie kruger <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that i recently because i like watching like uh like something like dave's archives which is this youtube channel where he'll just post and coming up he's gonna post nothing but halloween like old commercials oh, really? like from the 80s yeah. uh and i'm like all about 80s and 90s but he he uh uploads a lot of like these like just non-stop just bumpers you know of commercials and stuff and i i saw that one i, I bet that's going to be on the halloween compilation that he releases soon of like the 1-900 numbers did you ever call those when you were young this is what i was getting yes i'm just now realizing this is a buried memory that you just uncovered yeah. i remember we're this is going to be 20 more minutes now. good yes exactly yeah. uh talk about phantom tingles now i do <laughs> oh, yeah. remember like because you couldn't escape those 1-900 numbers. oh yeah of course and I certainly was curious. Oh, yeah. And so I remember I called it, and I'm pretty sure I hung up 
like 30 seconds in. Yeah, you would I, always hear the, the beginning being like, hi there, stud. Yes. Yeah. Are uh, you ready probably, for... Probably found some way to jerk off in two oh, yeah, seconds. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you would just listen to it and then, yeah. But got so stressed because I realized I was, in my mind, I was like, if I don't get to the menu, they won't <laughs> charge me, right? Yeah. Because it's like first minute is this and then Well, because the you have to also, uh, in most cases, you would have to like accept or have a credit card. Yes. Yeah. But whatever, there was at least one time, because I only did a handful of times, and it always would be like the first 15, so I was never getting far. But I must have gotten far enough, but I remember being on, I want to say we were going to like Florida or with a business trip with my dad, and I'm laying in the hotel room sleeping, quote unquote, and my dad was so stressed because he's like, what the fuck is up with this phone bill? Who's calling Argentina or something like yeah. that? And it wasn't a lot of numbers, but it was just like at the time when it's like it's weird if someone's calling another country. Yeah. And I remembered like having that moment where I was like, man, he's really angry. Oh no, <laughs> that was me. And he's calling and he's just like, this is a fucking, how is this a 1 900? No, I didn't call those sort of things. And like, <laughs> Everything would set him off, and my parents weren't doing great, and they were fighting. I'm sure my mom thought he was doing and oh, whatever. No. But like, I remember just laying in bed in a hotel room, going like, "My God, don't ask me, fake that you're sleeping." And I, I feel my heart racing talking oh, about no. this. So talk about subconscious bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, I did call, and it was not good. I, I wasn't even talking about those. Oh, I did yeah. the porn <laughs> ones, baby. This was porn. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, did, I, I never would, called the horror ones. I see. I, I did that where I. Was would call the like the late night ones just to hear like view mm-hmm. and then hang up you know we thought it would be fun it, it was funny um <laughs> it also reminded me of uh the denise show oh. uh which made me laugh so adam sandler where he's uh we all know the yes. famous sketch but where he goes i want you to touch my leaner <laughs> yeah. like you're a wiener <laughs> uh but uh i i remember asking my mom if i could call the heathcliff <laughs> 900 number and uh there was something else too i think it was maybe he-man as well sure. like i called and but you realize very quickly like they kept you on the line by like they basically just loop the thing and if you're a dumb Dink kid you you're like oh cool i'm gonna stay on and hear this again and it's like no that just how, how they was there a free nintendo one with tips <laughs> yeah well it wasn't entirely because in nintendo power magazine you could call yes and they had people there was a documentary about this i recently watched uh maybe it was about nintendo i remember i think it was on netflix they had all the booklets yeah well they had they hired people to i mean what a cush job where they had like you'd have to learn the manual yeah and basically you just read the manual and the kids would call in and be like how do i beat metroid and then they're like well you got to do this you got to do that and Man, what a time. Yeah. Yeah. Heady fucking days, man. Yeah. 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 So I guess the point of all this is don't call those one nine hundred numbers because it will your dad will find out. And it's an Argentina, baby. Oh yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't think I have anything else that's as important that I absolutely have to mention before we go. Yeah. All I got is uh Yeah, you just ate cat. <laughs> yeah. A buddy. That was cat. Like I'm surprised he didn't figure it out sooner. But it was such a like comedic. Like you could tell. Like oh, this is your attempt. It was very Chuck Norrisy about being like, here it comes. Here it I comes. almost wonder if like that was one of the scenes that the actor got like upset of. Like what is my motivation? And it's like you could see the conflict of what maybe Dario wanted, what he wanted, because it's like he went through the whole thing of trying to like 
do you want to eat? Yes, I do. He's forcing the food on him. Yeah. He's like, oh, hold back. That's too much food. And then he's trying to hide that he didn't eat it because he thinks it's gross. But then he starts eating it. Yeah, then he's like licking his fingers Going crazy. And stuff. He's yeah. loving it. I mean, this guy fucking loves cats. But then he reacts, like, rather than kind of comedically like a big, like, oh boy, he mm-hmm. kind of looks like he's, like, seriously, like, disturbed yeah. <laughs> by it. And you're like, ooh, you're kind of killing the comedy, buddy. That's where I feel like maybe it's like he didn't understand yeah. what Dario was going for. So I just ate the cat. Uh, what? How am I supposed to feel? <laughs> right. Oh <laughs> God, I love it though. Yeah. So uh, this is our time where we rate it. I mean, yeah. uh, this is our rating system. And for these Dario Argento and Argentober, we've been doing one to ten black leather gloves. Mm-hmm. I think I know where I'm going with it. But Frank, how how many black leather gloves is this? Is this Argento for you? This is a ten for me. It's got to be a ten, man. This yeah. is a ten. This yeah. is like one of the best. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, again, not the first Giallo, but this is basically what was like, Giallos, you're going to watch a billion of them, Garlock, because they're going to make a billion of them. (laughs) Um, uh, And they're all going to have animal names, and you're going to get confused about what (laughs) one you just watched. And you're going to always think, like, it's not exactly Argento, but I like this one, too. I'm putting it on the rewatch list. Oh, yeah. Like, I think this might be one that I probably watch, like, every year or something like that. Yes, definitely. Uh, Given that it's able to be watched <laughs> yes i think but that being oh, it's on said, the criterion channel by the way too God, I but I, I i had a subscription to it and i was like why am i paying a hundred dollars for that's the thing i won't criterion is the criterion channel is a promise i will never keep to myself exactly it is like i wasted a hundred dollars that's the thing it's like i i'm aware that i love film Yes. But I'm also aware that I watch a lot of garbage, quote unquote, That's as we talked about with film school. And like, it would be like when I got HBO Max, finally got my brother's password. Ooh. And then I was like, oh man, TCM, this section's my favorite part. You know, I'm going to, I got to rewatch all of Truffaut's films. No, I'm not doing that. I'm like, oh, they've got Dave on here. Yeah. I guess I watched Dave. <laughs> like, <laughs> I caught a fish this big. Exactly. <laughs> Or I'll just go over to Shutter and be like, oh, Razorback is filing up here? Dude, By the way, Shutter. Razorback. If you haven't watched Razorback... It's great. I forgot it was a director from Highlander. Yep. And it's so it's so much crazier than I thought that oh, movie yeah. was going to be. Dude, like, uh, there's, a, there's by the way, Shutter has a ton of great stuff on Shutter's there now. up in the game. They right. they like they just even more like I just checked it uh, the other day because I was going to watch the Elvira special, but mm-hmm. like they I was looking at what the stuff they added. I was like, "Holy shit!" And I yeah. was like, starting to watch. I was like, "I'm overwhelmed." That's where I there's briefly, so much good stuff. That's where I was like, "Oh, are we gonna do a hard pivot to uh, Coscarelli Phantasm series at Ooh. some point?" Because they're all were on there, and I was like, "Okay." And then reach out to Shutter to be like, "Can we get a sponsorship?" Please? Exactly. Yeah. Amazingly, we're not sponsored by Shutter or Tubi or Midnight Pulp or uh, our Pluto favorite TV. Pluto TV. <laughs> if you want to watch Bob Ross. <laughs> Even though that de- that documentary depressed you a little bit, <laughs> go to Tubi. You can watch nope, uh, Pluto Midnight uh, Oil video while then watching uh, Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Man, I will say too. Now there's a Kino Cult channel that just opened what? too. Yeah, so get ready. Like Whoa. it's got a bunch of. Sh- it's I, I love streaming <laughs> seriously <laughs> for garbage. When you we're, are a person, we're, we're in a great time. We are in a great. We're in a great time too. If you like. You know, Anthropophagus is up on shit. Like, it's like the weird stuff that you were hunting down. You can actually find that easier. I'm going to watch 
uh, more weird Italian movies before I watch Nobody. Oh, yeah. Like, sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because oh, wait, but Nobody's great. No, and I'm sure I'm yeah. going to love it when I finally get you to gotta it. You gotta watch But I'm it. gonna be like, eh, it's gotta be streaming or something. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Bob Odenkirk kicking ass. It was worth the... I mean, I saw that on my birthday. I got mm-hmm. super high and watched... Um, <laughs> Kong versus or uh, Godzilla versus King Kong right. and nobody and man that double I my wife was like you were shouting I might have told this on the podcast <laughs> she goes you were shouting the whole time during uh that Godzilla versus King Kong I'm probably saying the name wrong but anyway yeah. but just being like this is irresponsible they're destroying everything <laughs> Because, like, the fight scenes, they literally, like, they don't give a fuck. Like, I know. And how, like, some of the superhero movies are like, let's get everybody out of No, man, they murder a ton of people while they're fighting. If you can have CGI to just do whatever you want, then oh, that yeah. just means just fuck everyone are dying. No, but anyway, but nobody's great. Uh, but, like, Night Flight just added a bunch of great stuff, too. And I'm like, I just, like, there's no time. That's why I'm like, what am I doing with Criterion? What, I'm going to sit here and watch Bergman films? Get the fuck, fuck out no. of my face. I'm going to watch the Devo uh, video retrospective. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to watch Metallica, Year in the Light, half oh, in a life of oh my rewatch. god i just rewatched that and i also watched uh binge and purge like live shit you know man dude just because the black album just came out again and like i've been listening to the metallica podcast which is way overproduced and way too many ads but it made me go back and then even further than that because i was uh listening to re-listening to ride the lightning because i got it on vinyl and best. it's just like man metallica they are the metal beatles yeah Whatever. We yeah. got to throw this in here. Why not? They're great. They're, the They're best. great. I love them. Um, I still love them. Yeah, I do too. Uh, so yeah, 10, 10, 10 black gloves. It's the ten greatest. Black gloves, yeah. Um, so yes, go watch it. Uh, I'm now. I'm like, am I gonna get that 4K Blu-ray? Maybe. Who I think I, eventually I'll get it. Maybe I'll ask for one for Christmas. But uh, by the way, I keep staring at this thief. Uh, Jeff has uh, the original soundtrack to Thief by Tangerine oh, yeah. Dream. It's staring at me it's, with its uh, very intense cover. It is an intense cover and a beautiful record for a beautiful movie. Yeah. Uh, almost as uh, up there with debuts. I mean, first Michael Mann movie, first Argento movie. I mean, it's a rare breed a, to have that debut be so good. I would do a Michael Mann pivot. I would hard pivot. Yeah. We got to do a Michael Mann pivot. I would do I that for sure. I think, yeah, if he was, uh, yeah, we could convince that it would be a could have been a canon in a hard pivot series. Well, we're not Just, doing a could have. I know, I mean, but yeah. in my mind, I'm like, is there any way to connect Michael Mann to canon? Maybe. And I think if Michael Mann ever got down on his luck, like sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but the man started top of his fucking game. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Exactly. Out of the gate. Uh, yes, we probably will do a Michael Mann, actually, hard pivot. That's a good one. I love it. I stand behind it, and maybe then we'll get a bit torrent of uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Even though it's freaking... Mm. I do it all the time. Oh, no. I believe. Oh, my God. I'll now we'll do a freaking hard pivot. <laughs> um, awesome. So, yeah, man. Uh, uh, I At this point, all we gotta say is, uh, where are people gonna find us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Canon Canon, and remember to sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Canon Canon, and join us on the Discord there. Yeah, we got a lot of fun things going over there, but until next week and until next Argentober entry, I am Jeff Garla. And I'm Frank Garcia Hill. And this is the, the Canon Canon. What's happening to me? This damn thing is turning into an obsession. Yeah.